Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. The Ben Jarofsky Show starts now. It is Wednesday, May 1st, and live from the Chicago Sun-Times, Chicago Reader Studio on Racine Avenue, this is the Ben Jarofsky Show. Today on the program, legendary Chicago journalist Monroe Anderson will return. We welcome host of Humanity in the Headlines, Atiba Buchanan, and 20th Ward Alderwoman, Jeanette Taylor. And now your host. What is that? <laughs> it's an organ. Oh, Chicago Reader columnist, Ben Jarofsky. Hello, everybody. Ben Jarofsky here. We're calling this Sugar Pie Honey Bunch Wednesday. <laughs> <laughs> and here's why. So, as we head into the presidential campaign sitting season, getting very close to Iowa, it's just on the horizon. See it over there, D? Oh, yeah. That's the Iowa caucus just on the horizon. Anyway, as we head into the presidential primary season, I find myself being all analytical and everything about what's going down. I'm being very thorough, very responsible in my assessment of the candidates. I'm sifting through their resume and their policy papers and all their platform stands. I'm methodically, systematically reading it all like I'm a scientist, objectively studying each and everything they represent. I'm like Madame Curie in the lab. That's a scientist, A nerd. <laughs> I'm going through these records to determine which candidate would be best suited to be our next president of the United States. And then, out of nowhere, an old voice from the not-so-distant past reemerges, and just like that, all my careful scientific scrutiny gets thrown out the window like the 2.3 billion dollars mayor rom threw out the window of your property tax dollars on those two mega deals oh yeah and not quite turn the page of that oh, one what yet a throwback all right like two weeks ago <laughs> yes indeed that voice from the past was of course president barack obama and he was basically urging me to cast my vote for the candidate on this show we affectionately call grandpa joe Play it, D. This is an extraordinary man with an extraordinary career in public service. Somebody who has devoted his entire professional life to service to this country. He revitalized American manufacturing as the head of our middle class task force. He fought to make college more affordable. He suited up for our cancer moonshot, giving hope to millions of Americans. Joe's candid counsel has oh, made yeah. the president <laughs> he led our It's On Us campaign against campus sexual assault. He championed landmark legislation to protect women from violence. He led our efforts to combat gun violence. He could not have been a more effective partner in the progress that we've made. 
Sorry, folks. I know that yesterday Maya and Sam Holloway ripped into Biden, and I know that all my friends of the lefty persuasion have been brilliant in their analysis of how Joe Bryan, Joe Bryan, Joe Biden has a wretched position on so many issues, like the crime bill from back in the '90s. He was wrong on Anita Hill, but then I hear Obama's. Melfluous baritone singing Joe's praise. And folks, I can't help myself. I start melting like M&Ms that I clutch too tightly in my hand. You know, I start thinking, you know, say what you will about Grandpa Joe. He was so loyal to Barack. And he was Barack's wingman when times were hard. And yes, good old Joe, Stalin and Solid, the meat and potatoes white guy from Scranton, Pennsylvania. He stood by Barack Obama in his darkest hours. And folks, it's like those moments when I'm in a polling booth, all set to vote for the Green Party candidate. And it's like the skies open and the hands of FDR come out of the sky and take my hand and make it punch. Democratic. Oh, people. I'm fighting it, but I feel like that guy in the old song by the Four Top Sugar Pie Honey Bunch. I can't help myself. We got a great show today, everybody. Monroe Anderson. He is so fired up. There's so much Trump, Trump, Trump news out there. He's trying to stay focused on it. Stay focused, Monroe. We got so much Trump. Barr is testifying. You know, the Trump's defying the Democrats' uh, request to turn over information. Deutsche Bank is under pressure from the Trumps not to turn over information. So much Monroe. Uh, it's so much Trump talk. In fact, it's so much Trump talk. At 2 o'clock, we're bringing in a Tiba Buchanan radio show host. This dude knows Trump, Trump, Trump. He says he knows Trump like Monroe does. So we're going to have. Whoa. I hope he doesn't have a filthy mouth like Monroe does. <laughs> you know, Monroe says it's not fair. He doesn't swear as much as, say, Maya. Okay. Boy, I'll tell you what, yeah, Maya yeah. was on fire yesterday, wasn't she, man? She's turned into a sailor, too. <laughs> a salty sailor. Anyway, we got uh, Tiba Buchanan talking some more Trump at 2 o'clock. And then at 2.30, we'll shift gears a little bit. Go to the local stuff with Alderwoman Jeanette Taylor, recently elected from the 20th Ward, the Pride and Joy. Of the 20th Ward, Jeanette Taylor. Uh, She was on the local school council at Mollison Elementary. The things I know, Dr. D. Anyway, what all this means is plenty of political talk is just ahead of us. But before we do any of that, the young man from Alton has the national news. You know, my name's Dennis. How's it going? You know, there's days where you surprise us, Ben, with a word like Melfluous. 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 Hi, I'm Barack Obama. (laughs) Do your Barack Obama invitation for the people, Dennis. Joe Biden. Amazing. (laughs) He's great. He gives uh, kids treats. And they say he stands a little too close to people, but... What means well? Can you do your Lisa Simpson imitation? I don't do Lisa Simpson. It's Marge. I do a good Marge. All right. It's the middle of the day. Let's talk about the (laughs) national news happening this afternoon. Just one day after it was revealed that special counsel Robert Mueller sent Attorney General William Barr a letter objecting to Barr's heavily redacted portrayal of Mueller's report on the Russia investigation. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, Attorney General William Barr testified this morning before the Senate Judiciary Committee. According to Mueller, in a letter obtained by the Washington Post, Barr's summary, quote, did not fully capture the context, nature, and substance of this office's work and conclusions. Let's cover some highlights of the testimony today. Barr says he offered special counsel Robert Mueller the chance to review Barr's letter summarizing his report. He declined, hmm. Barr said. 
Barr said he was frankly surprised when Mueller told him he would not reach a conclusion on whether Donald Trump committed obstruction of justice. Here's the quote from Barr, quote, we did not understand exactly why the special counsel was not reaching a decision, adding that Mueller did not clarify. He said that he and Deputy A.G. Rod Rosenstein, the guy who just announced he's resigning, <laughs> they decided they would reach a conclusion on their own. Yeah. Well, <laughs> oh, he'd be surprised about that conclusion. <laughs> More quotes from uh, Barr here. Quote, it's a binary decision. Is there enough evidence to show a crime? And do we believe a crime has been committed? We don't conduct criminal investigations just to collect information and put it to the public. We do so to make a decision. Oh, my God, folks. <laughs> You're not you're not buying this. I huh? am not buying any. By the way, I'm waiting for all the people in the Chicagoland area who are outraged, absolutely outraged by the miscarriage of justice at the Cook County State's Attorney and regarding the uh, relatively minor offense committed by Justice Mollett to join me in my crusade to hold Donald Trump accountable for the apparent crimes he committed in terms of wheeling and dealing with the Russians to snatch that election from Hillary Clinton and bury all the evidence, obstructing justice, if you will. Come on, uh, police chiefs from the south suburbs, come on and join me, yeah. Man, I'll tell you what, Mueller did kind of duck and dodge that one D. He didn't come up, well, what was his official? Oh, well, we don't believe we can indict sitting president, so we're not going to recommend an indictment. I think that's his his justification. But he could kind of duck it, throw it to Barr, and Barr was only too happy to wimp out on behalf of Donald Trump. Folks, I know uh, if this is sort of like, I'm reminded of O.J. Simpson in the 1990s walking free, walking free, and it's the same thing, only it's Donald John Trump walking free in 2019. Democratic Senators Dianne Feinstein, Patrick Leahy, and our very own Democratic Illinois Senator Dickie D. Dick Durbin, Durbin, they all grilled Barr today. But the exchange between Senator Sheldon Whitehouse and Attorney Barr today gives you a good idea of how this whole thing went down. Very and ducky, uh, very ducky and dodgy, I'd say. White House asked about Barr's claim that there was, quote, spying against Donald Trump's campaign. Here's Barr's response, quote, I'm not going to abjure the use of the word spying, noting he previously worked for the CIA. I don't think the word spying has any pejorative connotation at all. Spying is a good English word that, in fact, doesn't have synonyms. Explaining that it encompasses all forms of covert intelligence collection. I'm not suggesting any pejorative, and I use it frequently. (laughs) What? Oh Very god. ducky and dodgy, this thing. Oh today. my god, what? I'll tell you what. That guy should go to work for Rahm Emanuel. <laughs> that is like some Emanuel twisting and turning. Yeah, you pick spying because that fits into Trump's narrative that there was something illicit going on by the FBI. Spying. It was a very uh it was a very sophisticated choice on your part. Don't pretend like it was like the only world that even remotely applied. You could have said investigate it. A lot different than spying. Investigation has, you know, less of a pejorative uh, overtone. Come on, Barr. You knew what you were doing. I'll tell you what. You know what? I think. What do you say about Rom? Oh, uh, he's smart and you're not. I think Barr uh, belongs to the same camp. <laughs> it's the Rom camp. So that's going on. And oh our guest, uh, Monroe Anderson, he's going to be talking more about. Uh, and Atiba Buchanan. And Atiba. They're going to be all talking oh about William God. Barr and his uh, testimony today. Yes, indeed. So we're going to move on. And oh, hey, yeah, per mm-hmm. usual, our president has been exposing his deep <laughs> psychological problems to the world on Twitter. Yeah, it turns out his supporters love it, though. Seriously, I have six tweets from just this morning from Donald Trump. And Ben Jarofsky, you'd better believe that he is hitting all those 2020 campaign points in these tweets we got obama bad trump good build the wall democrats bad trump good fake news and of course 
No collusion. <laughs> no collusion. Uh, those really are the, those are going to be the uh, campaign points. Yeah, no, Donnie is fired up, man, because he knows they're coming after him. But it seems, though, that uh, mm-hmm. former vice president and now 2020 Democratic POTUS candidate, the man we just heard from, well, we heard about on that commercial from Barack Obama, Joe Biden, mm-hmm. he struck a nerve with Donald this oh, week. Oh, boy, did he ever. After you know a, Trump doesn't like Biden. After a hefty donation total of $6 million in 24 hours, and with endorsements like that big one from the Firefighters Union on Monday, it's obvious Donald Trump's a little salty. Just listen to this uh, tweet from Trump himself this morning regarding the Firefighters Union, and you tell me, all right? Cue the ukulele. <laughs> all right, here's the tweet from Trump this morning. Yeah. I've done more for... for, for <laughs> let's start over here. Yeah. I've done more for firefighters than this dues sucking union will ever do. Oh, wow. And I get paid zero, all caps, zero. Exclamation mark. All right. I'll tell you what he's done for firefighters. Firefighters, if you're out there, here's what he's done. His tax break for the wealthiest people has starved government of the money it needs to operate. And guess what? Guess what's one of the operations that government funds with tax dollars? Pensions for firefighters. I'll stand up for your pensions. Donald John Trump won't. So when you think about how you finance government, the ramifications of those tax cuts go all the way down to the local level. Less money from the feds, less money there is for cities, and less money is for states. States, more pressure in cities and state like Chicago to raise their property taxes. We're already delinquent on some of the payments we should have been making to those pension funds. So when he says he stands up for firefighters, he may play to some of the prejudices one or two firefighters may have. Sam Holloway says it's many more than one or two. I'm giving him the benefit of the doubt. But he sure is not doing much for your pocketbook, firefighters. There. That's what I say about that. Now, of course, we will keep you posted on these stories as today's program rolls along. Like I said, Monroe Anderson is coming in in just moments mm-hmm. to discuss more about Barr's testimony. Uh, let's read the live stream chat for a minute. We got just like three messages here. Okay. Our friend uh, Steven says, Dennis, I think you should add some drum fills to your board. <laughs> How about this? Is this good? Let's hear it. Oh, wait. Oh, hell, I got a million of them. Oh, like that? Yeah, that's a good one. All right, I'll add it to that. Mm-hmm. All right, uh, Matrix Illuminati. Holy crap, that's a spooky name. Scared of this person. Yeah, Matrix Illuminati. Get a picture on your Oh, my. Get a picture on your thing. You're freaking me out. Uh, Matrix Illuminati says, hi, Ben and Dr. D. Hi, how's it going? Matrix Illuminati, not a doctor. How's it going? And I can't pronounce that name. If the tax returns emit, you must acquit, says Alcala. Probably pronounce uh, that. Oh, yeah. Johnny Cochran fan. Uh, blast from the past. I like that. Yeah, he's picking up on the fact that uh, Donald Trump is taking a page from Johnny Cochran, trying to get himself off the way Johnny Cochran got O.J. Simpson off. All right, so let's put the national news aside for a minute. Benny J., you ready to find out what's going on in Chicago and or Illinois this afternoon? I was born ready. Love that answer. Fantastic answer, <laughs> especially at this time, because coming up after this short little break, people, we are going to find out what else is news. I cannot wait. My favorite time of the day, the doctor plucks that little trick out of his little sleeve. We'll see what it is when we return. It's Chicagoland's adult entertainment playground. It's the world famous Admiral Theater, 3940 West Lawrence Avenue. The Admiral is homegrown from Chicago, and it's the most conveniently located club in all of the city. 15 minutes from the O'Hare Airport in downtown Chicago Loop. Voted Chicago's best strip club, the Admiral has showgirls galore and a variety of adult entertainment shows. The world famous Admiral Theater, open every day from 7 p.m. to 6 a.m., 3940 West Lawrence Avenue. For events, showtime, and other information, visit AdmiralX.com. Must be 18 years of age or older to enter. 
Did you know that 40% of the people in Illinois opt to be cremated? Well, it's true. And Chicagoland Cremation Options honors their wishes by providing cremation services directly to the general public. Chicagoland Cremation Options provides an affordable, ethical, and easy cremation arrangement, whether in person or online. Save thousands and streamline the process by going directly to Chicagoland Cremation Options. It's a family-owned business operated by my good friend, Douglas Klein. Here's how you reach them. ChicagolandCremationOptions.com. One more time. ChicagolandCremationOptions.com. Hey, thanks, Ben. Welcome back to the Ben Jarofsky Show. Live from the Chicago Sun-Times. Oh, yes, indeed. We're live from the Sun-Times. By the way, before we get to the local news, I got to tell you this. I think I may have already mentioned this. Everybody who knows me knows I love Gary Owen, the comedian. And, uh, you know, D, I'm really sophisticated and cool. I'm kind of like a millennial. Uh, Mel Fluis. Did I tell you I was on Instagram? Yes, I'm on Instagram. Yeah, whoa. Whoa. And I follow Gary Owen. He had a very funny bit on Instagram. Gary Owen is a comedian, everybody. I think he's funny. Anyway, he has this bit about uh, Matthew Bowling. Matthew Bowling is an 18-year-old from Texas. His nickname is White Lightning. He's the fastest high school runner in the country right now. Here's the trick. He's a white guy. So Gary Owen is taking great delight, pointing, hey, the fastest guy in the country right now is a white guy. And like Snoop Dogg's weighing, I guess Snoop Dogg and Gary Owen are really, you know, how come Snoop Dogg's not following me on Instagram? That's what I'm Snoop Dogg's like, hey, send him down to Jamaica, see how fast he is. I love the Ben Jarofsky show. Oh, yeah. Is that your Snoop Dogg? Anyway, it's pretty funny. Uh, Gary Owen is just so proud. <laughs> Matthew Bowling, White Lightning. You know, but, uh, folks, you may not have known this, but back in Alton, Illinois, oh, yeah, they used to call Dr. D White Lightning because he was fast. No, oh, no one called me that. Pretty slow. Uh, right. Slow, chubby white guy. Uh, all right, we're about to find out what's going on locally. It's time for What Else is News. And okay. in case you weren't sure, yeah, the honeymoon is for sure over for mm. Illinois Governor J.B. Pritzker. Okay. He's now been in office for over 100 days. The former governor is selling his house in Winnetka and getting the hell out of here. And our friends in Illinois of the conservative persuasion Uh have their first slab of Pritzker red meat. Toilet gate. Oh, yeah, I knew this was coming. Yeah. Yes, the time citizen J.B. Pritzker purposely ripped out the toilets in his Gold Coast mansion, claimed it uninhabitable, and saved over $300,000 in property taxes. Now, so far, the main complaints from Illinois Republicans since Pritzker has been in office stem from his graduated income tax plan. We're going to get taxed to death. Uh, we've heard it a million times. But honestly, it's still too early to tell with that one. Uh, these right-wingers may have a point, but they're more than likely just being right-wingers screaming at the sky. Like I said, too early to tell, Ben Jarofsky. But Toilet Gate, oh, Toilet Gate is ripe for the picking. And here's a sign that the Bruce Rauner days are over, by the way. Illinois Republicans may have a good point for once. Well, let me tell you something right now, dude. We've been talking about this extensively on this show. In fact, big Tommy Mack, Tom McNamee was sitting right there in that chair. Editorial board editor of the Sun-Times Thursday. We were talking about it with him. We talked about it with Rob Markwick last week. This has been a favorite topic of ours on this show. Is J.B. Pritzker hypocritical to call for a, a hike uh, on the taxes of the wealthiest people in Illinois? One more time. It's a hike on the wealthiest people of Illinois. If at the same time... He and his wife were kind of a little tricky there by yanking out those toilets in their Gold Coast mansion and asking for a deduction under property tax. I personally have been raising this issue since the 2018 campaign day. We were wrestling this with this when we were back at that other station, the name of which 
excludes me. I mean, uh, I cannot think of the name of it right now, but uh, it'll come to me. Alludes me, not excludes. Alludes me at the moment, whatever it was These called. big words yeah, today. I know, I know, man. I read the dictionary before it came in. So anyway, this has been an, an issue that the Democrats have had to deal with. And now I presume that the Republicans, having listened to the show, and you're welcome, Republicans, for getting all your information from our show, are weighing in. So let's hear what, what some of the Republicans have to say. All right. Well, Ben, we may need to check how many downloads we're getting downstate, like you said here. I think some Illinois Republicans have been listening to the show. Toilet gate resurfaced when WBEZ radio broke that Pritzker and his wife were under federal criminal investigation for removing toilets from their Gold Coast mansion. To By get way, time break. out. Ten trivia points. What WBEZ reporter broke that? Dan Mialopoulos. Nope. Okay, who is it? Dave McKinney. Oh, Dave McKinney. By the way, if you want to hear Dave McKinney on the Ben Jarofsky show, you can hear Miles has entered the room. Miles has entered. Always love when Miles enters the room. Uh, Dave McKinney. When was he on? I don't know. Oh, okay. Anyway, go back to your story. Dave McKinney. Thank you. We've diverted like three times. Despite paying back the $331,000, Pritzker insisted his family did nothing wrong. On Tuesday, Pritzker was asked the obvious, dude, if you did nothing wrong, then why did you give the money back? (laughs) Here's the response from Pritzker. Quote, we simply wanted to avoid distraction during the course of the campaign. Yeah. As I say, any review of this will show the rules were followed. During the campaign, it was clear that people were trying to make this a political issue, so we just wanted to get it out of the way. Ben, what are your thoughts on Pritzker's response? Well, my thoughts on uh, Pritzker's response, it's pretty lame. Uh, <laughs> I thought that they should have refrained from pulling the toilets out and then seeking a tax uh, break. Uh, I, th- I was saying this over a year ago, uh, and... Um, I just don't. It's it's uh, what do they call that? Uh, penny wise and pound foolish. There we go. And uh, I just figured a guy who could afford to spend 170 million dollars running his campaign uh, for governor uh, should be able to afford 330 thousand dollars or whatever he would have made up uh, what he had to pay for the property taxes. So I just feel that he hurt himself. Uh, and he was just a little too slick for his own good in that one. Well, if you were to ask Republican state rep out of Edwardsville, Illinois, by the way, <laughs> your very own producer, Dennis, used to live in Edwardsville, Illinois. I did not know that. Yeah, in an apartment there. Yeah, okay. But if you were to ask Republican, I heard it was the party apartment. Oh, what's that? I heard, man. Woo! They call, by the way, when he was down in Edwardsville, you know what they called him, folks? White lightning. Nobody called me that. <laughs> but if you were to ask Republican state rep Jason Plummer, he'd say, JB's response is hogwash. <laughs> Here's the quote from Plummer. By the way, leave it to a plumber to call out toilets. I was going to say, did he get a pick because of his last name to do this? Here's the quote from Plummer. Quote, Mm -hmm. you're going to have people talking about other folks need to pay their fair share. Other folks need to carry an even heavier tax burden. But then there's these various schemes to avoid taxes. And I find that somewhat hypocritical and very concerning. Ben Jarofsky, I know we've talked about it several times on the program, but does Jason have a point? Is this a bit hypocritical of the governor? No, it's not hypocritical of the governor at all, and I think Jason knows that, and they're just looking for uh, talking points and (laughs) struggling. I said this before, it's going to be a hard sell for a governor, a Democratic governor, who uh, has got the tax break by yanking out the toilets uh, to turn around and ask for uh, a a rate increase on the wealthiest people, because the wealthiest people are going to fight back, and you just gave them a weapon to use and there I, I really don't believe that there's a direct correlation between one and the other uh, on the one hand we should 
move to more progressive forms of taxation to fund government. It's just talking about this with Donald Trump cutting federal taxes, putting more pressure on all the rest of us to finance our pension obligations. That we were just talking about that with the firefighters. And so uh, I give Pritzker credit for uh, trying to raise uh, the, the taxes on the wealthiest people. And if Plummer wanted to address the issue or any Republican wanted to address the issue, he would concentrate on the merits, pro or con, on whether the wealthiest people should pay a greater portion of the property taxes. But since they don't want to have that discussion, instead they're going to try to distract us with toilet gate. Here's Illinois Republican State Rep. Charlie Meyer. Quote, if it turns out that he's been trying not to pay taxes of his own while trying to raise them on everyone else, it would be really sad. <laughs> sad? <laughs> sad? That was what it would be? Is that the word he came up with? State Rep. Chris Miller said, quote, it just seems like justice doesn't get dealt out very often when it comes to people with money, power, and prestige like the governor. Yeah, okay. And people with money, power, and prestige are the ones you're trying to protect, Miller. Or whatever. Was that Miller who said that? with your phony arguments. Yeah, Chris Miller. Yeah, I mean, okay, yeah, it's one thing to join the bandwagon to get Pritzker to pay his taxes on his Gold Coast mansion, and I appreciate you weighing in to try to raise more money uh, for our cash-starved schools, et cetera, Representative Miller. And it's another thing to do it statewide. When Pritzker's doing the right thing with his tax plan, you shouldn't attack him for doing the wrong thing unless, unless it's all about your attempt to divert the public's already easy to divert attention from a crucial issue of who pays what to fund our government. Chris, I think that's what they're up to, young man. Chris Miller, apparently, listen to the show, head over to the live stream chat and uh, weigh in with your response here. Making her first appearance on the brand new Ben Jarofsky show, <laughs> oh, no. Illinois State Rep and former Republican gubernatorial primary candidate Jeannie Ives oh, yeah. said it definitely calls into question his wanting to raise taxes on everyone else when he cheats on his own tax bill. <laughs> G.D. Ives, another big listener to the Ben Jarofsky show. It, it took her a while to weigh in on this one, you know? And finally, it's oh, a, God. Who's a frequent last? pattern with Republicans here. Here's where one Republican jumps the shark and ruins it for the rest of them. Illinois State Rep. Alan Skillicorn oh, just God. had to take their somewhat valid point way too far and make everyone uh, in Illinois who's a Republican look insane. Quote, I hope Governor Pritzker and his wife get a pair of shiny new handcuffs when this is done. All right, Skillicorn. Yeah, finding his inner Trump. Lock him up. Lock him up. I'll tell you this. Let's cut a deal, Skillicorn. Uh, I will support uh, a federal investigation or a criminal investigation to, uh, to J.P. Pritzker's taxes when you support one into Donald Trump and hiding all that money in Deutsche Bank that we can't see. When you insist that Donald Trump re- reveal his income taxes, when you reveal that Donald Trump uh, reveals all his little memorandums and, and emails with his lawyers who are scheming to conceal where, what, what the, where he was getting the money that he obtained and how much money he has that we can talk about having an investigation into J.B. Pritzker. Until then, I think you're the hypocrite. That's what I think. Ooh, slam. I know you guys listen to the show. (laughs) They get all their material from me. I mean, it took them a year. We've only been saying this for a year, D. And finally, the Republicans go, you know, that guy Ben's got a good point up there. Except they use they turn it upside down and use it to undercut the point I want to make. But so anything else you'd like to get out there about our uh, Republican friends here in Illinois? Uh, a bunch of hypocrites. Oh. Uh, <laughs> can't come up with their own material. Uh, stealing my stuff. Uh, anything else? Uh, <laughs> Whoa, man, he's got some beef, guys. Yeah. All right, so there you are. Just like that, you're now in the know of what's going on in Illinois, and now you will have an answer the next time someone asks you, "Hey, what else is news?" All right, let me tell you something.
What? All right. I'm going to tell you something. Matthew Bowling, the white lightning from Texas. That's me doing my Matthew Bowling running imitation. And Matthew Arnold, the great poet from uh, England in the whatever, 19th century. And Matthew Purdy, a kid I used to roommate with. Roommate with? Used to be my roommate? Anyway, they all agree. (laughs) You did a great job. Give yourself a raise. Take it out of petty cash. We'll be right back. Ben Jarofsky Show is brought to you by the Chicago Sun-Times. For the latest in Chicago and Illinois news, sports, weather, and the latest in national news from a real Chicago frame of mind and real Chicago writers, check out the Chicago Sun-Times. Read the daily paper or online at chicago.suntimes.com. And hey, if you have a little extra cash, subscribe. And by the Chicago Reader. For a deeper dive in the daily Chicago news and for all of what's going on in this city, you gotta read the reader. Music, arts and culture, film, extensive event calendars, concert listings, and more, including weekly political columns from writers like Maya Dukmasova and, yes, our very own Ben Jarofsky. The Chicago Reader is free in newsstands and at chicagoreader.com. That's chicagoreader.com. Hey, everybody, what you're about to hear are the piano stylings of Jeff Manuel. Man, listen to Jeff go. Jeff Manuel has been playing piano around Chicago for years. He's played for conventions, for celebrities, played in basement bars with blues bands. He's played at prestigious social clubs, fine restaurants, and in the intimacy of private homes. Book Jeff Manuel at jeffemanuelpianist.com. Don't worry, I'll spell his name at the end of this commercial. You know what Chicago Magazine said? They said that Jeff Manuel is, quote, as comfortable with Chopin as he is with Cole Porter. He's excellent, and his performance is joyous. He offers an elegant stream of compositions and interpretations that entertains the mind but won't hurt the ears. To hear more of Jeff Manuel's work and to book Jeff for your next event, go to jeffmanuelpianist.com. I'm going to spell it out for you, people. J-E-F-F. M as in Mary, A, N as in Nancy, U, E, L, P, I, A, N, I, S, T, dot com. Take it away, Jeff Manuel. Back to the Ben Jarofsky Show. Benny J, take it away. All right, I will take it away. And guess Thank who's, you. Guess who's in the studio? Do you know who's in the studio for 10 trivia points? <laughs> oh, wait. Now we have a camera so everybody can see. The legendary Monroe Anderson is in the studio. You have to vi- have visuals <laughs> to see it. <laughs> right there he is, right there. Uh, and uh, you know what that means? It means it's Wednesday and it's time to talk Trump, 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 
and more Trump uh, with our Trump expert, uh, Monroe Anderson. And you uh, you interrupted your watching of the bar testimony to come on, so I really appreciate yeah, that. Yeah, no, it was difficult pulling myself away. It, it, it's, it, it's such a comedy of errors. All right. Where do we, okay, William Barr, of course, is the attorney general that Donald Trump and his infinite wisdom appointed uh, to replace uh, Jeff Sessions, right? Yes. Uh, and uh, William Barr... Uh, is uh, on, is it a Senate or a congressional? Uh, it's a congressional House of Representatives. Uh, uh, no, this hearing. is the Senate today. Senate today. The All House right. is tomorrow. Tomorrow, you're right. Which okay. he may not show up for. Okay, talk about everything. Okay. He doesn't want to show up. They're, they're still fighting it out. He doesn't want to show up to the House hearings tomorrow mm-hmm. because the Democrats will be in charge of it. And the Democrats want to have staffers question him not uh, representatives, simply because the staffers know what go- what's going on. And the um, representatives are mainly just getting their um, their 15 seconds of TV exposure. Mm-hmm. So in other words, the staffers are the geeks in the back room who just like obsessively pour over exactly. all the documents know, and really know. Yeah, they're lawyers and they know how to talk and what questions to ask. And plus with staffers doing the questioning, then you you have uh, instead of the five minutes, mm-hmm. which they always run out of, of course, when they're talking, uh, particularly with Barr, who filibusters through four and a half. Minutes yes, he does. He's he pretty good out. at that. Yeah, yeah. exactly. So um, what they want to do is have the staffers and have them do half an hour blocks. Oh, and, and he's resisting that he one. He said he's not going to do it. If that's how it's going to go, he's not coming. Wow, tomorrow. I'll tell you. All right, let's uh, start with what uh, what the issue is uh, on the table today uh, with the Senate uh, hearing. Uh, William Barr, of course, the Attorney General, uh, who is acting, in my humble opinion, maybe you'll disagree with me, or like a defense attorney. Oh, he's acting, he's acting like a very good defense yeah. attorney. Yeah. By the way, you know what's interesting, and I raised this point before, uh, just before you got here, was in today's Sun-Times, there was an article about the ongoing um, uh, matter of Jesse Smollett and uh, Kim Fox and the, uh, the president of the Fraternal Order of Police. Uh, was gave uh, um, uh, a speech yesterday. Where was it? I forget where. I forget where it was. Somewhere downtown, City Club. Yeah, I gave a City Club speech, and uh, he said, um, "What we've asked for for Kim Fox and her office is to prosecute people, not to be the defense attorney." Uh, Kevin Graham, the Fraternal Order Police President, said, "And isn't that interesting? I make the same thing about William Barr. Of course, of course it's the same thing, and." It's different sides of the coin. Kim Fox is doing what she's doing because our judicial system screws black men coming and going day in and day out. And so she's trying to balance it a Mm -hmm. little bit. You know, with uh, with Jesse, for example, uh, while what he did was wrong, it was not 16 counts wrong. And he's a first defender, so he should not be in jail under any circumstances. But the default position for black men is to lock them up. Whereas with um, rich and powerful white men, the default position is to let them go. Mm-hmm. 
And so that's what we have going on, which is really interesting in Washington and in Chicago. Well, you know, it is interesting. And it goes back. I remember I always I compare Donald Trump and his lawyers. I've done this with you in the show. I've been doing it all day uh, to Johnny Cochran, uh, the way he defended O.J. Simpson in the 90s. The the way they attacked the prosecutors, they maligned the prosecutors. Uh, They bring up uh, outside issues to sort of divert our attention from the evidence that's right in front of us, try to get distract us with this bigger picture all these issues you know important stuff but still distracting us from the central issue and and with today's hearings uh, in the senate Mm -hmm. lindsey graham oh state uh south carolina uh, senator lindsey graham who is chairman of the committee big fan of donald trump lindsey graham they golf together who golfs together Barr and Graham? Yes. Or, uh, no, Lin, uh, Trump and Graham. Oh, I see. Okay, they, yeah. They golf together. Okay, yeah. Okay. Probably Trump cheats at golfing, by the oh, way. Yeah. It's a whole he, other he, story. If Trump cheats, cheats, <laughs> cheats, cheats. He's, if he's not cheating, he's lying. Well, there's a book that just came out by a, a sports writer named Rick Riley, and it's called Commander and Cheat. Yeah. And it's about Trump I've, on I've the seen, golf course. I've yeah. seen him interviewed. Yeah, okay. So I, I, I'm familiar with Rick that. Riley, funny yeah. guy. Anyway, go ahead. Lindsey Graham. Okay, so Lindsey starts it off by being very indignant saying, why are we talking to you when we need to be looking into how this investigation got started at the FBI? And, he, and so he attacks the FBI. He attacks the, he, he attacks the, um, the investigators. Mm-hmm. And what he wants to do, and he's saying, and hopefully we're going to get to this real soon, that he wants to ha- investigate the investigators. Absolutely. It's- Johnny Cochran. What was the white cop's name uh, that Johnny Cochran went after? I can't remember the white cop. Remember the white yeah, cops? Yeah, I know. I know, and, he, I know. and he had a past, yeah. and that Johnny Cochran just made hay yeah, out of he, it. He, he, he'd use the N-word on a bunch of occasions. A bunch of occasions, yeah. and yeah. when they brought that out, and it yeah. was just... He put... Uh, Johnny Cochran put the L.A. Police Department on trial, exactly. okay? Exactly. And got O.J. off on that. And now that is exactly what Lindsey Graham is doing with the FBI right. in regards to Donald the Lindsey Trump. Graham. Did you see that the, the, um, the tape of Lindsey Graham back when Clinton was uh, I did see this, but tell impeached. folks about it, yeah. yeah. Where he says, it's not simply the word, he says, but it's, it's also like... The, the office re- requires higher, so it's the motive, it's the this, it's the that, you know. I mean, he was really on high ground back then. Yes, he was really talk, talking about the greater principles exactly, that matter. Exactly, and, exactly. And now it's like, eh, we didn't find a smoking gun, don't worry about it. Oh, they <laughs> found a smoking gun. Now, here's my question for you, and we talked about this earlier. Maybe I have to replay uh, some of the uh, the quotes that we had. Well, actually, we didn't have the quote. Dennis read them. Uh, Barr is his defense, according to the earlier reports from his testimony, is that Mueller did not specify uh, that they indict Trump. And right. that and that's why Barr, Barr, Barr is sort of blaming it on Mueller. Okay. Mueller didn't. Uh, right. I would have indicted him, but Mueller didn't tell me to indict him. Right. Which, right. What you make of that? Oh, uh, it's, you know, I haven't seen, actually it's the testimony is still going on. Mm-hmm. And so obviously I haven't seen it all. But that of which I've seen, a couple hours I've seen, what Barr has been doing is ducking and dodging and defending Trump every which way he could. Um, so he he says that um, he 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 says that Mueller didn't prove anything, and he left it up to him to make the decision. Mm-hmm. Now, in fact, what Mueller did was he laid out. Ten 
obstruction of justice acts. And um, he didn't say this guy is wrong, but that was because the FBI has a, a, a memo from back in the 90s mm-hmm. that says you can't indict a sitting president. Yeah. And so up, up, Mueller's thinking on this is highly speculated. You know, it's not, we, we haven't heard completely from Mueller except for, for the letter. But his thinking on this is, well, if I can't indict the president, then why say I can indict him? Because that's not fair to the president. And that this has to be decided by the Congress. And he says that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's putting it on Congress. In his Congress. report, he yeah. says that they, it's their job to do this. Mm-hmm. Barr has decided, well, since he's Mueller's boss, and Mueller didn't decide what should be going on, he's deciding. And his decision is that Trump is exonerated. Yeah. <laughs> do anything wrong. <laughs> I know. It is kind of a curious logic uh, oh, yeah. that Barr is playing. Right. And uh, by the way, what do you make of Mueller saying, uh, going back to that memo, that uh, they can't indict a president? Do you buy that? Do you think a uh, president should be exempt from any kind of... Uh, no, I don't buy it. I don't buy it. Although I can... It, 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 it's, it was born out of the Clinton impeachment mm-hmm. because... Clinton um, was highly distracted his last two years at office while yes. he was being impeached. Yes, he was. Yeah, but that was for um, a much lesser case. Now, let me ask you about this. Yes. If we could go back in time yes. uh, to a younger Monroe Anderson in the 1990s, you were probably doing Common Ground, right? Yeah. Okay, yeah. Uh, the, you were the host of Common Ground throughout the 90s on Channel 2, talk show on Channel 2. Um, Let's, if you can, go back in a, a time capsule and uh, tell me what you would have been saying back in the ni- 1997-ish or so as the Republicans, uh, Newt Gingrich and Henry Hyde, uh, were gearing up to impeach Bill Clinton uh, for his uh, lying in regards to Monica Lewinsky uh, and their affairs. What would Monroe Anderson been saying in the 1990s? <laughs> I thought it was nonsense, the impeachment of, 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 of Clinton, although he left the door open by lying. You know, he did not have sex with that woman. Mm-hmm. He told the American people that, and he t- told Congress that. And so they got him yeah. on perjury and obstruction of justice. He was trying to prevent them from getting the evidence. And so do you think... Uh, so do you still stand by that? That you know, In other words, you were saying you would have voted against, impe- you were arguing against impeachment of uh, Bill Clinton in the 1990s? Yeah. All right, so do you think that the stance you took, the stance that Democrats took, are undercutting their efforts to impeach Donald Trump for some real serious uh, potential crimes that he may have committed in dealing with the, the Russians and in obstructing justice and hiding no. evidence, etc.? No, because they're ignoring all that. The Republicans, you know, they're, they're ignoring, um, they're using Clinton as it, as, well, actually, they are, I forgot, they are using Clinton, Hillary. 
they're still talking about the that was the other else. thing yeah. right it, that was the other <laughs> thing that, that Lindsay talked about he says if we're going to look into those emails they investigated her four times on emails yeah. and found nothing yeah. but they're going to find out why um some somebody who allegedly erased some of the emails was never called in by the FBI as part of the deep state uh, um, scheme mm-hmm. that they're claiming is at play. I mean, what what they've done is they've um, adopted every white wing nuts <laughs> conspiracy <laughs> on yeah. the deep state and how yeah. they were planning on taking over. The thing is, you know, and they will talk about how these people hate Trump, and this is why they're doing this, but they never get around explaining why these people hate Trump. And they hate Trump because he's a Russian a tool and a crook and a liar. It's easy if you stop and think about it, but they don't do that. They just, it's like, this, these, these, these um, FBI agents got together and they said this about Trump. And they said, now they read through um, Stroge, am I pronouncing it right? Yeah, Stroge. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. they read through his, his email his tax, to his, whatever, his, yeah. his mistress. Yeah. yeah. He and his mistress were having love fun together. You know, <laughs> talking about Trump. Right, talking about Trump. And they were cracking on him, you know. And, uh, and so they quote them and their comments about Trump and what a, what a scumbag he is. Well, they've been investigating, so they know he's a scumbag, first of all. And uh, Stroger was our top Russian spy hunter. Yeah. He was the best. And this is why Trump didn't want him around anymore. All right. Uh, uh, there's, um, we should also talk before uh, we come back to the notion of uh, the message that Republicans are picking up from uh, their most uh, radical uh, supporters and then they're transmitting to the larger. I'm going to get into that. I have this a great, a interesting quote from a Gene Lyons column from this weekend. But I got to talk to you about the Mueller letter. And that broke uh, today or maybe last broke night. yesterday, last, yeah, night, last yeah. night. I think I sent you the article. Yeah. Homework assignment to read. Yeah. Always homework assignments right, for the guests right, on the exactly. show. Um, I'm sure you would have read it anyway. Uh, but I was so excited, I had to send it oh, to you. Oh, I it. started to call you last <laughs> night when I when I heard about it. I start, started calling. You. <laughs> oh Lord, Lord, we're both geeks. Because, All right, because right, this is yeah. truly a bombshell. Yeah. This All right, letter. talk about it. Go right. ahead. Yeah, Explain yeah. to people who they may have missed it what what the letter is that the, I'm alluding the, to. The letter says um, and. Um, Basically, the letter says that Barr didn't have all the information. He was misrepresenting his um, the, the Mueller report. Mm-hmm. It was a letter from Mueller to Barr. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, and that he was being he was misrepresenting in these press conferences he was holding, and basically, that it was a lot more consequential mm-hmm. than he was reporting it. Yeah, uh, Atiba Buchanan has entered the uh, room. Atiba, I love it when my guests come early, have a seat, young man. We'll bring you on real soon. Uh, I got Monroe Anderson with us. So uh, the letter uh, and, essentially and the thing accused is, yeah, him. Yeah, because okay, and so Mueller was livid. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, to the extent of what people in his position, they never write letters. Mm-hmm. They don't write letters. They don't destroy letters because that's. Just not what they do. It's it's um, considered not kosher. Yeah. And so Mueller so was. So whenever you do that, whatever it happens, it means what they're doing is protecting themselves from history for historical pur- purposes, because something's going to go down, and when it goes down, they want their name to be on the right side mm-hmm. of history, not the wrong side. 
And in this particular case, Mueller is what concerned that Trump's going to get off. Bye-bye. No, he's 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 upset. He, they they spent two years, and as the Republicans like to say, well, twenty five million are as as they questioned the the hearings went on today. It went to thirty million from twenty five to thirty million. It went up five million in just yeah, right. uh, in one like, hearing. Yeah, in, in twenty minutes, <laughs> it grew that much. Uh, of course, we. What, what we tend to forget is that Trump has spent $65 million, um, in a year going to his various golf uh, courses yeah. on, on weekends because they have to take all these people with them. Absolutely, so, the so security. So that's peanuts. And also the other thing with the Mueller report, which they don't bother to um, talk about, is that Manafort was fined so much money that he— um, he 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 brings that number down. So he great. under is underwriting the yes, uh, the, Mueller the Mueller report. Underwriting it. By yes. the way, has has he paid the fines, Paul well, Manafort? Yeah. Well, they have his houses. I mean, I don't. I mean, they they've seized his homes, his multi. I mean, his homes were like thirty or forty yeah. million. I can't remember how much, but they were worth a lot, and they're now. Um, Federal government property. Well, I um, yeah. Well, thank you, Trump, Paul Manafort. Trump, Trump, Trump can sell it to a Russian. Uh, yes, Trump <laughs> can sell it to a Russian. All right. Uh, Gene Lyons wrote this. So much Trump news uh, in uh, the paper these days, and uh, when um, we're going to continue the conversation when T.B. Buchanan comes on as well. But uh, uh, I just want to get your reaction to this quote from Gene Lyons, okay. who is a columnist, uh, and he appears every Saturday in the uh, Sun-Times. Very provocative columnist, Gene Lyons. Big defender of the Clintons, by the way. Gene Lyons was throughout the 90s, defended the Clintons, uh, vociferously thought they were set up. That's a whole other story. Uh, but um, uh, he, Gene Lyons is writing about um, the Mueller report and, and the, the uh, indifference, the relative indifference that Republicans have had to the findings in the Mueller report right. that show all the evidence. Right. And he writes, um, uh, unlike Putin, who is ruthless and highly and highly competent, Trump would be useless in a crisis. Low cunning can only take somebody so far. To date, he and the nation have been lucky, although the chaos and incompetence depicted in the Mueller report are alarming all the same. You'd think some of Trump's less deluded supporters would begin to notice. If anything, however, the reception given the report by most Republicans vindicate Putin's and Trump's cynical belief that a critical mass of voters are as credulous and stupid as professional wrestling fans easily manipulated through mass media appeals to their imbecile bigotry. If that hurts your feelings, tough. As credulous and stupid as professional wrestling fans. Monroe Anderson, do you agree or disagree with Gene Lyons? I agree. Although, when I was a teenager, I was a wrestling <laughs> fan. Big wrestling fan <laughs> right, down in right, Gary, right, Indiana. Exactly. <laughs> However, yeah. I was a teenager. Yeah, And you knew it was a scam. Well, No, no I didn't know it right then. I was a chewer. Is that right? When I was, like no, Bruno San Martino? You yeah, thought that wait, were legit? Wait, 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 no, 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 no. I, you know, I, I'm eight years okay, old. Okay, all right, eight years okay, old. So, okay, all right. Okay, yeah. so it wasn't reported at that time. Mm -hmm. It that wasn't, was you know, it's been, it's been reported and, and you see examples of it. Back then, I, I wasn't 100% convinced that it was real, but I was able to suspend a reality. And really enjoy it until I outgrew it. I got to a point where, okay, 
this, you know, but I, back back then I was I believed in the Bible too, and I agree with that. So, all right, I'm not comparing the Bible to a wrestling. And one more time, what do we say, D? Uh, the views and actions of Monroe Anderson do not reflect those of the Jarofsky Show. All right, Monroe's going to get me in trouble big time uh, comparing the Bible to uh, professional wrestling. Uh, and uh, yeah, I I thought he was uh, right on. I feel uh, so much of what I try to do. Uh, is, you know, to just to find the truth. That's what we were taught as journalists, just to try to find the truth, exactly. go where it is, uh, put aside as much as you can your personal opinions and your thoughts, but just try to find the truth. But uh, we are now locked up into right. this. Well, we're now political analysts. And oh, so, is that what we yeah, are? Right, okay. exactly. So you get to have a decision, I mean, a, 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 um, an opinion. Well, I have an opinion. Like, for instance, I have an opinion and, and I have. Express it. Okay, so here, like in terms of going back to the Clinton thing. Uh, in the nineties, I would, I would think I was thinking, is the investigation of Bill Clinton, uh, and are the crimes that that investigation, uh, is showing, which essentially he was lying, uh, to avoid a real embarrassing showdown with his wife who probably knew about what he was up to anyway. Oh, yeah, but right. she was, you know, but a lot of times in, in these marriages, what people try to do is overlook and pretend they look the other way because they don't want to deal with right. the reality. Okay, and, the rea- and I'm sure Hillary is looking for years the yeah, other way. Exactly. But, all right. Well, and, no, the, my other theory, okay, uh-huh. is because um, Bill and I are basically the same age. He's a little a year older than me. Okay. Okay. Uh huh. He was in college at the same time it was in, in in the '60s, and it was the birth of women's liberation and the birth of free sex, which is a golden time. Yeah. <laughs> Monroe Anderson suddenly reminiscing about his golden years. It's a golden, it's a golden oh, he time. was a tiger back in 1968. <laughs> right. So anyway, what developed out yeah. of that between the two uh-huh. is that you, would, you could get in a relationship and still be, have, be fooling around with, you know, you, that, that was even when they had um, open marriages. Yeah. So you could be in a relationship and fool around, and it was not a big deal. All right, we're on a tangent within a tangent. I would have been a lot more sympathetic to Hillary and Bill Clinton had they responded in the 1990s to these investigations by saying, you know what, we have an open marriage, and what Bill does is his business, and what I do is my business. I would have respected that. that. wouldn't work for a politician. Well, in this day and age, we would work with Donnie Trump. I think that if things have changed so much and so drastically yeah, but, okay, that the Clintons had to pretend this all. That's 20 they had li- years. You got to put the, you know, these are, they're errors. They, you know, had, um, had, See, but this had, is Lori, like, had Lori Lightfoot run for mayor 20 years ago. Where would she be? Uh, that's a valid point. But okay. I would like, I, uh, that's a valid point. Uh, okay, and, but anyway, uh, let me finish with the Clintons for yeah, one okay. second, okay? Mm-hmm. And so how you start a relationship is how it has to be basically you know if you if you meet the love of your life and you bring her flowers mm-hmm. every day um every week okay. for a year you get married mm-hmm. you can't stop bringing her flowers if that really turns her on that's what you have to do so my theory is that bill was messing around when they were in college <laughs> yeah. he was messing around when they got married wow. and he never stopped messing around and she just said okay you know just don't don't let don't let it go, go public don't embarrass me all right and so i 
Okay, I think I see the analogy you're making, though I don't think there's anyone in the world, man or woman, who would equate getting flowers every day from their loved one to having their loved one cheating on them. But, all right, all right let's put that aside. I right, think I see the point. I'm talking about expectations and, and, and rituals. I, 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 I stand by what I say, though. It would have been completely radical and revolutionary for the Clintons to stand up and defend their marriage yeah. for what it was, an right. open marriage of convenience right. where they really enjoyed uh, working with each other on political issues and strategic issues, and one appreciated the mind of the other, right. and they had. It's clear that was a partnership that worked, but that it was essentially uh, a free and open marriage where she looked the other way. Well, you while know, he... well, there's, it's, it's, it's more complicated than that. Also, Monica Lewinsky was an intern. Okay, well, that he was yeah. the president of the United States. She was a starstruck 22-year-old. All right, so this gets back to the point um, uh, I was trying to make before we went on the tangent, uh, which was a great tangent, and I really appreciate the riff. Uh, <laughs> uh, and uh, all the letters uh, complaining about uh, to, about what Moreau had to say. Please send Moreau. Um, but Monroe Anderson, Monroe, Yahoo. Yeah, yeah Yahoo. Um, but I think a lot of Democrats... And I'm thinking my dear mom, when I say this, uh, were felt that the Clinton agenda that uh, he was pursuing, which was uh, to a little, was a little to the right now when we think where the Democrats are now, but it was to the left of where the Republicans were. Yeah, um, was worth. It was to the it was to the right of Nixon. It was to the right of Nixon. Yes. All right, but That's in the night, how much we slid. Yeah, okay. we. I know when you think about the crime bill of the 1990s, yeah, it was straight out of exactly. Nixon. Exactly. And right. now Joe Biden. We're gonna, I'm going to ask you some Joe Biden questions. Okay. All right. All right. But anyway, for whatever it is, the Clinton agenda was um, preferable to the Newt Gingrich one in 1995 and his contract the, the, on America. Contract on America. On America, yes. right? So uh, many Democrats said that they wanted. Uh, Clinton to beat the rap if only so he can pursue his agenda. All right. Yeah. And that is the same mindset the Republicans have now. They just want those tax breaks. Yeah. So they're willing to put up and, with any and old. And the Supreme Court judges. And the I, Supreme I mean, and Court the judges. judges. And that was the same argument. Yeah. Now, when I think about it strategically, Monroe, with the retrospect of 20 odd years, yeah. I think the Democrats. If you had Al Gore as the president because Clinton got impeached, I don't know if that would have hurt. The Clinton agenda, they still would have had a Democrat appointed. Yeah. And Al Gore may have been victorious in 2020 no, as a result. No, no, no. We, we had the same reason Bill got off is the same reason that OJ got off. Because people thought that um, they, they, they didn't like what they were, how they were being attacked and what they were being attacked. Mm -hmm. you know, they, loved, they loved Clinton. In fact, Clinton came out of that more popular. Are the impeachment? Yeah, but then Al Gore had to wear the uh, Al Gore oh, wore it. I mean, Al, yeah, but the, Al, Al Gore, Gore couldn't win Ar Arkansas. Al, he couldn't win Tennessee. Yeah, no, Al Gore. The problem was that uh, Al Gore was too boring. He was. He did not have so you say charm. He, okay. he lost for that. He lost his own home state because he hadn't been back there. Yeah. He, was, he was so busy being, you know, enjoying being in, in DC. In D.C. Well, he also wanted to run away and separate himself from Bill Clinton because of the uh, controversy over the impeachment. And so I think that definitely hurt him in like states like Florida, where Clinton would have helped him out. Uh, but yeah, uh, he didn't even use Clinton. Uh, he didn't get Clinton a campaign. Yeah. For so uh, in other words, uh, you're not buying. So you're not uh, you're still standing by your position in the 90s that uh, that Clinton should not have been impeached. 
Right. Okay. And 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 and, and another thing that I, I want to talk about real quickly with the Clinton, and that's that Hillary. People talking about what a horrible candidate she was, and that's why she lost. No, Trump's campaign was much worse than Hillary. It that was the worst campaign ever. Donald uh, Trump's. Trump's. Yeah. So that wasn't it. The thing was, over twenty some years, the Re- Republicans have spent almost a billion dollars demonizing the Clintons, and it stuck. Mm-hmm. You know, so she was crooked Hillary. Although she, unlike Trump, she's never been named um, in any indictment or anything. You know, it's. It, and, and of course, there have been all Whitewater, been all sorts of scandals, but they were gener- manufactured by the Republicans. That is Monroe Anderson. I'm Ben Jarofsky at TB Buchanan sitting by. We're going to bring him on. We're going to continue the Trump, Clinton, Barr, Mueller discussion. I'm also going to bring in Grandpa Joe. Joe Biden got a tape ready to play for Monroe and Atiba to see what their opinions are about uh, Joe Biden and his secret weapon to win over voters. We'll be right back after this. If you would like to advertise with the Ben Jarofsky Show, and who wouldn't, contact Tracy Bame at publisher at chicagoreadercorp.com. We have several advertising options for your business or organization, and quite frankly, we would love nothing more than to tell our listeners all about it. Once again, that's Tracy Bame at publisher at Chicago Reader Corp. at C-O-R-P as in Paul, dot com to advertise with the Ben Jarofsky Show, the Chicago Reader, and the Chicago Sun-Times. We look forward to plugging you. Okay, well, that came out kind of weird. More of the Ben Jarofsky Show live and downloaded in moments. Hey there, producer Dennis here. Thanks for finding and listening to the brand new Ben Jarofsky Show. All right, so here's how this works. The Ben Jarofsky Show live streams on the Chicago Sun-Times YouTube channel Tuesday through Friday, 1 until 3 p.m. Once the show is over, you can listen to the replay on our YouTube channel, or we throw it online for you to download by 4 p.m. Where can you download the Ben Jarofsky Show, you may be asking yourself? Well, you may be asking yourself a fantastic question. You can find previous Ben Jarofsky shows and guest interviews through several outlets. The Chicago Sun-Times Online, chicago.suntimes.com. The Chicago Reader Online, chicagoreader.com, and wherever else you listen to your favorite podcasts. Apple Podcasts, Google Play, pick one. Just search for The Ben Jarovsky Show. J-O-R-A, V as in victory, S-K-Y. So, let's recap. Tuesday through Friday, 1 until 3 p.m., live streamed on the Chicago Sun-Times YouTube channel and downloadable by 4 at chicago.suntimes.com, chicagoreader.com, and wherever else you listen to your favorite podcast. Yes, the Ben Jarofsky Show is back. We're live and downloaded. Tell your friends and enjoy the rest of the show.
Hey guys, how's it going? Hour number two of your Ben Jarofsky show is just moments away. But before we get into that, we would like to thank the following unions again for bringing back the Ben Jarofsky show. Big thank you to the International Association of Machinists and Aerospace Workers, Local 126 in District 8, not 125 or District 9. I don't know if they like us or not, but the International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local 9, and the International Union of Operating Engineers, Local 150. Thank you once again to those unions for jumping on board here and bringing back the Ben Jarofsky Show. And, of course, today's show is brought to you by our good friends at the Chicago Federation of Labor. Hour number two, let's go. It is Wednesday, May 1st, and live from the Chicago Sun-Times, Chicago Reader Studio on Racine Avenue, this is The Ben Jarofsky Show. In this hour of the program, we still got Monroe Anderson in studio. We welcome host of Humanity and the Headlines, Atiba Buchanan, and 20th Ward Alderwoman, Jeanette Taylor. And now your host, oh, the meanest air organ player out there. <laughs> yeah. He's good. Chicago Reader columnist Ben Jarofsky. No one plays the air organ like me. Uh, I've uh, twisted Monroe Anderson's arm, get forced him to stay for at least another half hour. Atiba Buchanan has joined us. He's the host of Humanity in the Headlines, a uh, show on intellectual radio. And we're going to continue our discussion about Trump and Mueller and Barr and the Clintons. I'm going to throw a little... Grandpa Joe into the mix uh, as well. But before we do that, D, you got an update for me? Absolutely, I do. First off, everybody who's listening, find us on Facebook or Twitter if you've yet to do so. Benny J Show, B-E-N-N-Y, the letter J, show. Find us there. Give us a like, review, tell us we suck. Whatever you want to do, it doesn't matter. Just head over there. And uh, once we hit 1,500 likes, we will have our next caption contest, by the way. I believe we've got a little ways to go, but... Help make it possible. Head over to the Ben Jarofsky Show Facebook page and find us here. Uh, kind of looking here at the live stream chat, seeing if anybody has anything to say here. Okay. Well, apparently you said, uh, well, we got Steven here. The fact that Ben used the phrase, get himself off his news. Apparently you said that in the last hour. Oh, did I? Kind of funny. I don't know. Uh, let's see here. Stuff that comes out of my mouth. Well, I yeah, see you guys accuse me of saying it. <laughs> oh, this, this guy curses like a sailor. <laughs> Actually, Maya, yesterday. Woo! That, oh, uh. Yeah, download yesterday's show yeah. uh, to cover your children's ears if uh, <laughs> when you hear Maya's thing. Our friend uh, Alkayla, I'm pronouncing your name wrong. I'm so sorry. You're new to the live stream chat. Welcome. You're very bright. Uh, he or she or they puts rule of thumb. If Trump's mouth is open, yeah, it's lying. <laughs> Uh, it's pretty much true, yeah. Fingers, too. Yeah. Oh, his fingers are moving. <laughs> his fingers are moving. His toes are wiggling. You know, basically, if he's just awake. All right. So, and, I, and we'll have an update here. I guess the theme uh, in the local news, we got one. Uh, Illinois Republican politicians say they must have had a meeting recently and finally got their Pritzker talking points together. Because this week, more than any other, we have news of Illinois Republicans stretching the truth like crazy in an attempt to bash the big fella. In the last hour, we mentioned Republicans calling hypocrisy over toilet gate mm -hmm. well this hour it's on fair map redistricting ben for those who may not know tell us uh, what's the big deal with fair map redistricting well fair map redistricting is a principle an ideal an idea i-d-a-l that we should take politics out of the redistricting process and we should have com effectively computers uh, as much as possible d dividing up the political uh, landscape so that uh 
the Democrats aren't doing it and they're gerrymandering to for their benefit or the Republicans aren't gerrymandering for the benefit. And this, this is one of those things, uh, Atiba and Monroe, that in principle, I agree with. But in practice, the reality is this. The Republicans cheat at this game more than Democrats. We can go down the list of states where Republicans have uh, twisted the map upside and down to take a, a legislative uh, a mandate where they don't really have one, Wisconsin, North Carolina, Virginia. Uh, and uh, so then they turn around in the state of Illinois where the Democrats play that game, where Michael Madigan's in charge, and they say, okay, we have to have a fair map in Illinois. I'm like... I'll have a fair map in Illinois when you have one in Wisconsin. I'll have a fair map in Illinois when you have one in Ohio. Or uh, Well, why can't the Democrats cheat the way the Republicans do? I mean, why are we so poor at cheating? <laughs> well, first of all, some would say that Michael Madigan... It is a fair question. Atiba, some would say that Michael Madigan is pretty good at playing this game, the yeah. House Speaker. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, here's the thing that concerns me, Ben. When... I, with you, I agree in principle on that on that matter. But the substance and the context is Republicans do do it more, significantly more. Right. And, right. and the sad part is, is that 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 takes away our ability to know where we are as a country, to know where we are as a community. Because again, you do have people that don't have a mandate taking over in a community now or representing a community that they really don't represent. So I, I just want a fair election. If if Republicans win, God bless them. If they really win, and at least. If they win legitimately, we know where we are. Mm -hmm. And if, but when you include gerrymandering, it takes away the ability to know that, well, and that puts and everybody. That, behind. We also have to stop voter suppression. I mean, that's a, hand in hand, right? Yeah, that's hand exactly. in hand. Exactly. Well, you don't hear the same force. See, I was a very um, cautious uh, Atiba and Monroe when I hear the word reform used uh, in regards to anything in the state of Illinois or the city of Chicago. But I really get nervous when Republicans talk about reform because generally when Republicans talk, talk about reform, uh, they're attempting to continue this, uh, perpetuating a system that already works to our advantage in their favor. Right. In their favor. And so it, voter suppression. You'll never hear a Republican talk about voter suppression, but you'll talk, you hear Republicans talk about the need to have identity cards yeah. because people are illegally voting when, in fact, those identity cards are used to suppress a vote. So this is why, Atiba, I have a hard time having, quote unquote, an honest discussion about all these great principles of electoral politics because I think the game is rigged, quote Donald Trump, only it's rigged on behalf of Donald Trump. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. I would completely agree because framing is everything. And so when Republicans talk about, again, identity cards, the framing is, you know, they, they try and oversimplify. Well, don't you need an ID to vote? And they leave out the, the, the nuance that you can't register to vote without an ID. So you've already gone through that process. So when they, they try and make it sound like you're unpatriotic, you just want anybody to be able to vote. No, let's be honest here. We can't register to vote without an ID, without a bill with your address on it, without all of that information. So by the time you do that, when you go vote, all you need to do is match the signature. And people aren't willing to go to jail, no matter what they say, for five or ten years just to add one extra vote. People are not inclined to do that. We've we've had what thirty one cases of voter fraud, in over in over a billion voter ID fraud, voter ID fraud, and yeah. over a billion votes cast. It's, mm. it's non existent. Yeah, so a, again, they, their framing of it allows them to try and control that conversation. We always have to be careful of that. A made up issue. You go back to you. So now that we're all caught up on fair map districting here, let's get to the stretching. Oh yeah, uh, the following comes from the ILGOP press release on April twenty third. Uh, they say here last year. 
Pritzker told Capital Facts' Rich Miller he would veto a map that was drawn, quote, in any way by legislators, political leaders, or their staffs. And now they say in an interview yesterday, which was April 22nd, with the State Journal Register, Governor J.B. Pritzker seemed to walk back a pledge to veto legislative redistricting maps drawn with political considerations. Pritzker said, quote, I would veto a map that I thought was an unfair one. And then finally, Illinois Republican Party spokesman Aaron DeGroote in this little press release put, supporter of fair maps should be concerned that they must now rely on Pritzker's personal determination of what's fair rather than a a concrete pledge to veto gerrymandered legislative maps and enact independent redistricting reform. All right. What's the young fellow's name that you just quoted, Aaron? Aaron DeGroote. All right, Aaron DeGroote. I would would believe what you're saying the day you speak up about Scott Walker and what he did in Wisconsin, how he shoved a Republican majority on a state that was probably voting majority uh, Senate. Do you agree with me on that, Atiba? Yeah. And then you look at what's happened in Wisconsin since. They, They finally get a Democratic governor, and then they look to take away the power of the governorship. Right. I mean, it's it's absolutely disgusting. It's absolutely disgusting. So, yes, you're right. Bring up Wisconsin because it's never fair. It's never equal, and no matter how they try and frame it, they, they always have something else going. Absolutely. So, yeah. Yes, which is why I think we should impeach Trump tomorrow. <laughs> All right. Because the, Republic, I the, the, the Republicans wouldn't be standing up, sitting around, hand wringing and saying, well, no. well, are the Democrats going to come out and vote? Or are they going to be upset? All right, Atiba. Impeach Trump or not? What's your thoughts? I think he has to be impeached. I think he has to be impeached because, and some people may like what I'm going to say, some may not. I think it was a good thing that Bill Clinton was impeached. I'm glad he wasn't, I'm glad he wasn't convicted in the Senate, but I'm glad he was impeached because... If nothing else, you can just ask this one basic question. It has to, you have to maintain the presidency, the office. How many presidents since Bill Clinton have gotten fellatio in the office from an intern? <laughs> well, I don't know. <laughs> the answer is none. Then maybe it was a good thing. <laughs> right. yeah. So if we let Trump, and my point in saying that is, if we let Trump slide, then that will forever be a standard. The next president to come in and behave with conflicts of interest and not, and not uh, divesting himself from his businesses, how can we ever impeach upon those things if we don't do it now? All right. Now, I will say this. Uh, it was, according to the Republicans, and we're going back to the it wasn't the act the sexual act itself. It was the lying. It was, it was the lying about yeah, it. Right. So the real question is, how many presidents have been lying under oath since Barack Obama, I mean, since, Barack Obama, since uh, Bill Clinton? Uh, I don't know the answer to that Well, one. here's the deal. Donald Trump wouldn't allow himself to talk under oath. There you go. Right. He never submitted himself. Because although he can't, talk, Barr, he can't say three sentences without right. lying. Right. Although William Barr, what were we about to say? Although William Barr... And insisted today over and over again that he cooperated oh, and, with oh, the investigation. And what's, what's coming out of that is more and more Democrats are talking about or demanding that he resign or they're talking about impeaching him. All right. Uh, now let's get to that, Atiba. Uh, Monroe and I have been talking about here for, for a little while now. We missed uh, most of that. Anything new out of Barr's testimony? Or is he still mostly just ducking and dodging? This is what he was doing in the earlier portion. Well, we got some clarity. Um, so here's the deal. You know, there, there's been a lot of talk about William Barr and trying to give him the benefit of the doubt over and over again. We're not sure what his intentions are. They, they really don't want to call a spade a spade in this situation. But today it made it clear with the letter that Mueller released yesterday, Mm -hmm. well, that was released that Bob Mueller had written to William Barr, 
that made it perfectly clear. So just to catch everyone up, the initial summary by William Barr on the Mueller report was uh, was sent out on March 24th. And by March 27th, Robert Mueller had sent William Barr a letter directly refuting what he had put out in the summary, saying that it, it had lacked the context, it had lacked the intent of the Mueller report. He was very upset. You guys were talking about yeah, it earlier. Exactly. April 9th, Barr is, is testifying in front of Congress, and they ask him, hey, it, it, we, we've been hearing reports that the Mueller camp is upset at your characterization of the, of the report. And he said, I don't know anything about that. Clearly, he was lying because he had gotten that letter directly from Mueller on three days after it had been released to the public. So his explanation for that discrepancy is, is that we, we asked the wrong question. You guys ever seen the movie iRobot? Yeah, I saw iRobot. Remember yeah. when he was trying to, when Will Smith was trying <laughs> yeah. to get answers from the dead doctor's hologram, and he would ask him questions, and the hologram was like, "That's not the right question." Yeah, that's yeah. not the right question. <laughs> that's the game yeah, he played. So yeah. what he said was, "Hey, you guys asked me if I heard it about anonymous people in the Mueller camp being unhappy with it. I was just talking about a conversation I had directly with Bob Mueller himself." Right, and he said, <laughs> and he said, and, and, and Mueller told him. <laughs> that he wasn't upset with the actual report. He was upset with the press coverage. Yeah, right, so that was the spin that we had today. So that made it very clear that one, he is a sycophant for Trump mm -hmm. and that he is Trump's personal attorney as opposed to being the attorney general. One other thing that came out of it, Lindsey Graham admitted that he had not in fact read the Mueller report in full. Mind you, he is the head of the Senate Ju Judiciary Committee. Senator and Lindsey he, Graham, yeah. He has not read the Mueller report. Yes, and this is what they're, <laughs> they're counting on, is how many people are going to actually read 448 pages? Not many. Yeah. Not we, many. But this is why we need the hearings, and we need them right now, because they will watch TV. Yes, I agree with that. By the way, uh, yeah. you don't even have to read the full Mueller report. Uh, I still have kept my copy here yeah. of the New York Times the day after where they have the, the basic points uh, just outlined right on the front page of the New York Times, you know, the, like so, the cliff notes okay, of the Mueller report. Okay, but this is what I want to know. Whose summary are you going to believe? The New York Times <laughs> yeah. oh, or, or bars? Oh, no, I, or you're lying All right, bars. Yeah. <laughs> um, all right, so... Where are we heading now, uh, Atiba, with in terms of Barr's participation with the congressional, the House of Representatives hearing? Monroe and I were talking about that. Are there any updates on that one? There are not. It's looking like he still may testify tomorrow. Oh, he may testify tomorrow. Yeah, it's not, it has not come out one way or the other, but because uh, it's going to cause big problems if he doesn't. Mm -hmm. And that, that will definitely then cause them to hasten getting Mueller in front of everybody. And the one thing that they're really afraid of is Don McGahn. They really don't. That's one thing that came out today, too. They asked him about they what's come his out, position. They are, they're afraid of the him meeting the Republicans. Yeah. Or, yes, they, okay, the Republicans and, and, the, and the White House. Yeah. They do not want Don McGahn to testify because that was another point of contention they had was trying to figure out if Don McGahn had actually said that Trump had asked him to fire Mueller. Yeah. And once again, uh, 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 Barr's card he pulled was, well, he asked him to be removed. And being removed is different than being fired. Right. He, he didn't he use the word fire. Wow. He would replace him. He <laughs> planned on replacing him. This is what's really interesting, I find interesting also, is that they are trying to use executive privilege 
to keep him from testifying. They, meaning the Republicans in the White House, are trying to use executive privilege to keep McCann. But he's already testified. It's on the record. And once, once it's public, then it's no longer executive privilege. It can't be. By the way, he is, uh, we could talk about Don McCann, some folks following at home. He is, uh, he is the White House counsel. He was the lawyer to Trump in the White House and as such uh, was advising the president on what he can and cannot do. And right. apparently he's the one who saved us from um, having fired, who would do, uh, Mueller, Mueller, right? Yes. Isn't that yeah. right? Okay. Yes. Uh, and he admitted to Mueller that the president had asked him that. He He's on the record is admitting to the president asking him right. to do that, to call Rod Rosenstein and have Rod Rosenstein and, and, follow, and the, and fi- whole, fire Mueller. Yeah, and the whole theory behind executive privilege is that as, as the chief executive of the nation, mm-hmm. um, the president should be able to confide in his people and where they won't know, where they can't go out and just say, well, he did this or he did that. But, he's, but it's already out there, so... It's nothing you're protecting or defending anymore. All right. Now, uh, uh, Atiba, the position taken by Nancy Pelosi, Speaker of the House, is that she's not ready to champion impeachment hearings. It's a, I think it's a clever position that she's taking. She's letting the process run itself uh, while distancing herself. This is my opinion of what she's mm-hmm. up to. Um, First of all, let's let get your thoughts on how Nancy Pelosi is handling this. And secondly, do you think uh, what what do you think the next step that Democrats should take? So let's deal with the Pelosi question first. Sure. So first of all, I have a I have a a newfound respect for her after the midterms, flipping forty seats. How can how I don't have a choice but to respect her. She got the house back and she got it in, in winning fashion. So I give her that. With that said, I'm willing to give her a lot of deference and I'm willing to wait back and see. I don't necessarily agree what comes out of her mouth about it because I think it's I think it's more than fair to talk about impeaching him based upon, if nothing else, his conflicts of interest. Again, him not even divesting himself from his businesses. He is using Mar-a-Lago to enrich himself. He is a grifter, and I think those things need to be addressed. How do you talk about, what do you mean by he's using Mar-a-Lago to it? Mar-a-Lago is the resort that Trump owns in Florida. What do you, what do you, what do you so mean by Mar-a-Lago that? Is, so the first thing that he did was double his fee once he became president to join Mar-a-Lago. It went from 100000 to 200000 He was supposed to, again, divest himself from the business, but he never did. So he's still in control of Mar-a-Lago, where now that you, have, you have all these foreign dignitaries coming into Mar-a-Lago, and, he, with, and he's there every weekend. And that's the easiest way for them to meet with Trump and get business out of him and get and get the and get their issues and their agendas dealt with. Meanwhile, while he's making money in the process. So that in and of itself is extremely problematic. But back to Pelosi. Um, Again, I'm willing to wait it out and see. I do think the most important thing that they need to do is get everything out in the public sphere. Kind of like you were saying, we need to get we need to get Mueller. It, not only to uh, to talk to Congress, but to do it publicly. We need to get McGahn to do it publicly, because to your point, Ben, people watch television. Yeah. And right now, Do- Donald Trump has had the complete ability to 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 shape the narrative, because even when he lies, Bob Mueller's such a professional, he's even professional enough to sit back and let him lie, because he knows he can't refute him in public without divulging information he shouldn't divulge. I, and I'll tell you, Tiba, this is just one, a small show. Yours is another one. But I could tell you this. If, if there are congressional hearings on this and there's a testimony that uh, we can, that Dennis can play on the air, I'd have you and Monroe and Jim Coogan and all my other uh, Trump geeks pouring over it right. and explaining to 
and you do it on your show. Monroe yes. is all over the air. He does it yep. on about three different radio stations these days. So you're absolutely correct when you say we will get that information out. It'll reduce, in some cases, reduce the sound bites that you can't avoid, like exactly. the one you're talking about, where Barr's just trying to sneak his way out of. What the difference between what what is it fired th- and replaced right fired and replaced so, wow that's even worse than Clinton and is is oh, right. yeah. yeah no, no uh, uh, Nicole Wallace earlier today on MSNBC said that uh, Barr is more dangerous than Trump because he's smart right <laughs> and that's the same thing with Mike Pence yeah that's absolutely right <laughs> wait what, wait what do you mean about Mike Pence wait, wait. The, the the biggest problem with Trump is his mouth. So a lot of the things that he does, he can't even get done because he says, like, for instance, this whole Mueller thing happened because he said to Lester Holt directly, yes, I fired him. I fired Jim Comey because of Russia. It, it, it's he, that Russia thing. Yeah. Right, that rush, that rusher. Thing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> of course. Russia. And, and it's those types of gaffes that he has that impedes his own process, where someone like Mike Pence, who has been in Congress, who has been a governor, knows exactly what to say knows all the relationships and he he will never say anything out loud that will that will ever impede his own progress yeah so people like pence people like Barr that honestly are smart <laughs> will not do yeah. the things that donald trump does i hear exactly what both of you are saying to this point and uh, essentially i agree with you but i'll just add this i don't think pence would have been victorious uh in the in the 2016 election Donald Trump's strength is his weakness and that bluffing ability that sort of like let the chips fall where they may where they breaking all the rules saying whatever pops into his head uh, but, that's wait, the reason he got elected president no, in the first the place he got one. elected president oh, was Putin <laughs> okay and less uh, than 80,000 votes in three states okay. of which at least two of them were but, suppressing votes all right but let's throw that out there you have to admit or maybe you don't feel free to vigorously disagree with me uh, that part of Donald Trump's appeal is that he breaks all the rules. That's a that's a huge part of his appeal. But what I'm saying is, when I talk about Pence being in that seat, it's not because he would have won the presidency. It's because if we indict Donald Trump, I mean, not indict, if we impeach him and then see it through to fruition, who becomes president? Yeah. That's what I mean. So a President Pence is well more dangerous than a President Trump. Well, we'll be having this conversation a lot, and I love having a T. B. Buchanan in the studio with Monroe Anderson, because it is like three Trump geeks in a room. Let's do it. We'll be having this conversation a lot, uh, but I will be saying this as, as this, uh, well, impeachment isn't impeachment, the investigation proceeds. Atiba Monroe, the calendar is not really in favor. Think about the calendar itself. I keep saying this to Dennis, man, I see Iowa on the horizon. The Iowa caucus is right around yeah, the corner. Right. I mean, we are heading into right, the president. Which, which, is, why, which yeah. is why I think they should start the impeachment soon. No, but there, when it, I say tomorrow. Tomorrow. But you got to do it before September. Because after September, everybody's paying attention and they will use it um, in, in not a good way. Yeah, uh, but, but I, I think what they need to do is bring Mueller in mm-hmm. and bring McGahn in and then impeach him. By the way, Jeanette Taylor has entered the building. Jeanette Taylor has entered the building. I love it when my guests come early. She's getting ready to come on. The newly elected alderman from the 20th Ward. Pride and joy of the 20th Ward is in the building. But before we do that, we still have uh, Atiba Monroe. We're doing our deep dive on Trump. Uh, uh, God, there's not enough time to get into this. But this uh, Atiba, this is one of uh, Monroe's favorite. Monroe and I have been talking Trump for two years. 
years now on the radio, okay? And uh, he's been talking about Deutsche Bank laundering a money uh, from the Russians, right. concealing the money that Donald Trump has been making illicitly. This man has been talking about this stuff yeah. long before it was fashionable. Well, well, thank God for Monroe. Yeah, thank God for A lot of people say that. <laughs> yes. I've been saying that for many, many years. Thank God for Monroe. Uh, but uh, it seems as though the Deutsche Bank is finally going to burst into the public sphere. Yeah. Uh, and they're, they're, Trump people are really trying to resist. Deutsche Bank revealing some of the inner secrets. Talk about that. Clue people into what the whole Deutsche Bank situation is. Uh, To be honest with you, I'm I'm not as aware of the. uh, I'm aware of it. Don't get me wrong. I can't get into the minutia of it, but I will say this. I think the Deutsche Bank situation begs one question Mm -hmm. and and Trump's reaction to it, I should say. What is he so afraid of? What is he so between the tax returns, Deutsche Bank, not wanting anyone to see anything about his financials? What is he afraid of? And I I think it's just my opinion. I think that the guy could very well be worth a lot, lot less than he's purported over the past decade. Oh, oh, he is. But also he they loaned him three hundred million dollars. And no uh, Deutsche way. Bank, Deutsche and Bank, he sued them. Right. Right. And he sued them. And also nobody else would loan him the money mm-hmm. at all. And and he sued them also. And it's because Deutsche Bank is the Russians um, laundry, uh, laundry, rural laundering machine. This is Monroe Anderson has been saying this yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. for two years. Exactly. Yes. So, so they and now that they have the papers, the 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 the, the um, S, uh, Southern District of New York has the papers. Mm-hmm. They've they're, they're they're subpoenaing. They're about to get them. And Trump is suing, trying to prevent that because it's it's game over. All right. That happens. Uh, and uh, yeah, we'll be following this one because I do believe that Monroe's onto something. Uh, first, I yeah, was absolutely. very dubious and ah, Monroe, I don't know, but I think the 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 resistance that Donald Trump is putting up to this thing really right. shows where you. And know. that's what's most telling. Again, right. is his response right? He's, yeah, you know, folks. He's uh, suing Deutsche Bank, to, uh, just so folks know, to try to prevent them from revealing documents that the uh, Democrats in the Congress right. want to see. Absolutely. And by the way, uh, Deutsche Bank's is partly responsible for that monstrosity in downtown Chicago or on the uh, banks of the Chicago River called Trump Tower. It just gets me uh, irritated every day at Tiba. I see that big Trump sign <laughs> right. up there, and you can thank Mayor Rahm Emanuel for that sign. Right, right. That happened under Rahm's well, I th- watch. I think that's Burke. Stop giving Rom the benefit of the doubt. I can't even get the words out. Okay. Whenever anybody like lets Rom off because Burke did, Burke made me do it. You know. <laughs> all right, guys, I have to get your response to this. All right, sure. now I talked about this at the outset of the show. Uh, D, get ready to do. Uh, oh boy, um, uh, Biden. Um, Okay, so I've had, uh, most of the people come on the show are sort of the liberal lefty persuasion, all right? And so they've been coming on the show, and they've been pretty hard on uh, the man I affectionately call Grandpa Joe, Papa Joe, Uncle Joe, whatever it is, Joe Biden, all right? Uh, And, uh, you know, I share their their views, Atiba, to a a large degree. A lot of the issues, I'm going to write about this in the reader, a lot of the things that Joe Biden stood for uh, in the 80s and 90s look really kind of twisted right now in the perspective of 2019, to put yeah. it mildly. So I was like, yeah, you know, I'm Elizabeth Warren. I like Elizabeth Warren. I've always loved Bernie. You know, I like Bernie. Those are and then out of the past came a voice, a Tiba I hadn't heard in a while, telling me, you got to vote for Papa Joe, Grandpa Joe. 
Oh, Barack Obama came out. Have you heard this thing? Yes. And yes. suddenly my, I feel my hand go, no, no, <laughs> vote for Joe. So I want you to hear this. I want both of you to hear this. Dennis is going to play it. This little bit that Joe Biden has just released of Barack Obama and get your thoughts on it. Play it, D. This is an extraordinary man with an extraordinary career in public service. Somebody who has devoted his entire professional life to service to this country. He revitalized American manufacturing as the head of our middle class task force. He fought to make college more affordable. He suited up for our cancer moonshot, giving hope to millions of Americans. <laughs> Trump. <laughs> Joe's candid. That's my favorite part. Has made me a better president. He led our It's On Us campaign against campus sexual assault. He championed landmark legislation to protect women from violence. He led our efforts to combat gun violence. He could not have been a more effective partner in the progress that we've made. All right, I'm weeping. Barack Obama coming from out of nowhere. And we're missing the visuals where he hung the medal. Yeah, he hangs the medal. And you hear that voice and the the drum coming in. (laughs) All right, Atiba, does that get get you to run, run, run out and vote for uh, Joe Biden? It does not. Okay. (laughs) All right. I'm going to play it for Jeanette Taylor, too, by the way. But go ahead. Yeah. yeah, I think here's the biggest problem with with Joe Biden. I don't have a major problem with him. Mm -hmm. But I think the biggest problem he's going to have is that aside from this commercial, I I don't know what legislation in the past decade that you can immediately associate with him. I don't know what champion, what cause you can immediately associate with him. When you look at Bernie Sanders, you know you, he's he's Mr. Medicare for all. Mm-hmm. You know this, and that's what Joe lacks. I, I can't think of anything where I'm where I know if Joe gets in the White House, he's definitely going to take care of this. Mm-hmm. What is that? Yeah, I don't know. And it's not enough to be able to say I was Barack Obama's vice president for eight years. Not for me. That that you know again, though a lot of the initiatives that Barack Obama got done are attributed to him, but not necessarily to the vice president. So I, I don't know what, I, I, to, to this day, I don't know what necessarily Joe runs well, on, he, other than I've been around a long time. Joe forced Obama to evolve on the whole um, gay marriage issue, because Obama was still opposing it. See, I totally don't buy that, but go ahead, yeah, finish no, your thoughts. I don't think no, Obama no, had I don't, choice, I don't bother, First of all, Obama evolved, devolved. He was for gay marriage in the 90s when Before he was out he was of Hyde Park. It. Then he was against it. Yeah, no, so no, he, but I'm saying, no, but he forced by his announcing that, that Joe said he was for it. But don't you think that was the game they played, where Obama said, hey, Joe, you go you, you go on out and say you're for gay marriage, you and if trial you, blue. yeah, you drop dead, yeah. then I won't say it. But if you live, I'm on I was listening to Joe and the, <laughs> the game politician. Come on, man. Yeah. You should know because yeah. you were the press secretary. Yeah, right. you, I know. I you know. played a few of those I know. games. I know. Right. Not many. <laughs> yeah, right. right, right, right. Sawyer didn't do any of that right. stuff. So, I, I, but don't you guys feel like a tugging of the heartstrings here? Maybe uh, no, hearing okay, Obama's this voice? Is, this is my position. Go ahead. No. Um, <laughs> Democrats have an embarrassment yeah. of riches right now with the mm-hmm. candidates. There are at least uh, 10 of them that I like, and whoever won, I think I could be happy with. Mm-hmm. Um, and so whether it's, it's I, I, I think it could be Joe, except um, if Kamala comes in first or second in Iowa, 
then black folks are going to leave Joe quick, fast, and in a hurry <laughs> and go to Kamala. You remember yeah. 2008, right, don't you? Exactly, mm-hmm. exactly. And, and actually, I covered, I, I was on the Obama bus, I don't know if I ever told you this, um, in 2008 in, in um, New Hampshire and South, South um, Carolina. Mm-hmm. I, I was there and I... Uh, you saw that uh, transition. Yeah, right, exactly. And I, you know, I was there with the folks. Well, there were no black people in, in New Hampshire. No, except for uh, you and uh, Barack Obama. All right, so, uh, uh, Tiba, how do you view it? Do you, uh, do you think that will play well with voters, black voters in the South, for instance? Unfortunately, yes. Um, because, you know, I, can't, I, I, I try not to speak about black people as a monolith because mm-hmm. they're not. But generally speaking, mm-hmm. black people like loyalty. And if nothing else, I will give Joe Biden this. He was very loyal to Barack Obama. And he that was is the wingman. Yeah. And that is that is definitely going to pay some dividends. Uh, I don't know how much it depends on, like he said, how the other candidates uh, rise or not. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he definitely will for a season, at least have a have a, a, a good support of black support just because of his association with Obama. Well, one thing is for sure, I, I'm a set, cut from the same cloth. I'm, I'm very loyal to people who are with me. So I want to thank Monroe Anderson, who has been with me every step of the way. Uh, he never strayed from the path. And Atiba Buchanan, thank you so much for coming thank in you, as sir. well. Thank you, sir. Thank you for having me. so it's much fun talking to you guys. I'm going to bring uh, you back to talk more uh, Trump with Monroe because that gets me all fired up. So, Anytime. Uh, all right, we're going to... Uh, switch gears a little bit, talk a little more local politics. Uh, The newly elected alderwoman of the 20th Ward is in the studio. Jeanette Taylor, we're going to bring her on after this. The Ben Jarofsky Show is brought to you by the Chicago Sun-Times. For the latest in Chicago and Illinois news, sports, weather, and the latest in national news from a real Chicago frame of mind and real Chicago writers, check out the Chicago Sun-Times. Read the daily paper or online at chicago.suntimes.com. And hey, if you have a little extra cash, subscribe. And by the Chicago Reader. For a deeper dive in the daily Chicago news and for all of what's going on in this city, you gotta read the Reader. Music, arts and culture, film, extensive event calendars, concert listings, and more, including weekly political columns from writers like Maya Dukmasova and, yes, our very own Ben Jarofsky. The Chicago Reader is free in newsstands and at chicagoreader.com. That's chicagoreader.com. If you would like to advertise with the Ben Jarofsky Show, and who wouldn't, contact Tracy Bame at publisher at chicagoreadercorp.com. We have several advertising options for your business or organization, and quite frankly, we would love nothing more than to tell our listeners all about it. Once again, that's Tracy Bame at publisher at chicagoreadercorp, that's C-O-R-P as in Paul, dot com to advertise with the Ben Jarofsky Show, the Chicago Reader, and the Chicago Sun-Times. We look forward to plugging you. Okay, well, that came out kind of weird. More of the Ben Jarofsky Show live and downloaded in moments.
Welcome back to the Ben Jarofsky Show. All right. Yes, indeed. We are back. We're alive. Uh, Atiba Buchanan and Monroe Anderson have left the building. Atiba Buchanan and Monroe Anderson have left the building. And our discussion of Donald Trump has left with them, although we may uh, pick up a little bit. Uh, in, this, in, the, in the seat uh, is uh, Jeanette Taylor, the newly elected Alder Woman of the 20th Ward. Jeanette, welcome to my show. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. And I'm excited to have you here. So first of all, congratulations. Thank you. Uh, oh, my goodness. We talked about your race so many times, uh, Maya Dukmasova uh, and myself, we talked about your race at least five times. There were so many candidates running in the 20th Ward. So a lot of our listeners from outside of Chicago, uh, first of all, tell folks a little bit about the 20th Ward, where it's located uh, in the city of Chicago. So the 20th Ward is located on the south side of Chicago. Um, It encompasses Woodlawn, Washington Park, Back of the Yards, New City, um, Inglewood and Summer Greater Grand Crossing. Mm-hmm. And it is the home, um, it will soon be the home of the Obama Presidential Center, mm-hmm. uh, which is very interesting and is definitely um, some heated conversations about the displacement that normally happens in Chicago. We know anytime investment happens in black and brown communities, low income and working families are the first to be pushed out. And so before I even thought about running this seat, I was nervous. Um, about being displaced from our community because it just happened to me in Bronzeville. We got the Hair Washington Cultural Center, the taxes went up, and I had to move. And so after going on a 34-day hunger strike to save our neighborhood high school, then they announced where they were putting the Obama Presidential Center, and I was like, oh my God. Mm-hmm. It's like it's never going to change. And so um, it came for me because you could protest, you can block elevators, you can go to jail, you can even go on hunger strikes, but we got to be at the table to change the policies. And so it's why I wind up running for the seat. All right, we've got to be at the table. Uh, this uh, is an old lament in the city of Chicago, and it's one, uh, there's a reason for that lament, Jeanette Taylor, is because. Uh, people in the communities are generally not at the table. Uh, the most obvious example to me, as I look back on it, it was the Olympics debacle of 2009. That's right. Uh, and uh, man, at the very end, uh, Coco, a community organization on the on the near south side, forced what I consider was like a, a sort of a contrived, made-up community agreement. agreement that's but right. they. That's the best they got was like totally worthless. So I like to think we've evolved as a city uh, from that. Do you think we have not enough, not enough where in communities of color where the the income medium is forty thousand dollars. But in the last 10 years, they collected four hundred sixty five million dollars in tickets and fines. Yes. So there's definitely a tale of two cities when it comes to these communities. And it's like you said, we're net. We never have a seat at the table when they're making decisions on our everyday lives. Yeah. All right. Jeanette Taylor, explain to people who you are and how you got to this position. You were running for Alderman of the 20th Ward. So I am a 43 year old mother of five. Um, I'm a Nana. I got one grandbaby. Um, I'm married. So I'm on my third marriage. I love my husband. If he acts up, I'll get married again. Um, <laughs> and I'm a longtime Southsider. Yeah. I was on the local school council for 21 years. At Mollison Elementary. That's right. Come on, give me credit for knowing that. <laughs> Mollison. People know Mollison very well. Yeah. So it's actually where um, Tyrone Kenner was the alderman and he was indicted. And Harold Washington appointed Dorothy Tillman. And correct. then, of course, we got Pat Dow. And so um, Dorothy Tillman 
got elected because of parents at Mollison were behind her and she knew the community. Um, and so I come from that legacy of seeing women in power um, change what happens in their communities. And so when I had to leave the uh, the third ward, I was not happy because I was born and bred there. Um, I went to school there. I went to Dunbar up the street there. I knew everybody in the community. And to have that stripped from me uh, with the no say-so was, was hard for me. And so when I got to Woodlawn, I said to myself, I would never let this happen again. Mm -hmm. And so it's how I wind up. Because if you would have asked me two years ago to run for office, and I would have been like, uh, nope. Not yeah. going to do it. Chicago politics is not friendly. Um, it's not made for people of color. A lot of times we have folks that like look like us but don't represent us. And so I was like, I can't be a part of that crap. <laughs> like, it has to be something totally yeah. different. It has to be a real change. All right. Now, uh, yes, I first time I interviewed you was you were for the local school council at Miles and talking about school issues. And then tell folks about this. They may have forgotten this or they, maybe many of them don't know this. There was that hunger strike that you alluded to earlier uh, in which about 2015, I want to mm -hmm. say, where um, people on the near south side of Chicago forced Mayor Rahm kicking and screaming, which is generally how you have to force mm -hmm. them to do anything, uh, if you're not a big time developer, that is, uh, to uh, create the diet uh, school, uh, keep from closing diet. Talk about that. Yeah, so Rahm Emanuel closed 50 schools, and we know a lot of those schools got closed in black and brown communities, and so for the third and fourth ward, for us, it was Diet High School, and people don't know the history of Walter H. Diet. He was a musician who trained the best musicians on the south side of Chicago at DuSable High School, and so... Diet was a high-performing middle school, and when the neighborhood started to be drenchified, they changed King into a college prep and didn't have a space to put the neighborhood kids. Mm -hmm. And so with three months' notice, no additional funds, they turned Diet into a high school. At that same time, they closed Robinson. They closed Inc. They had closed a lot of schools around and kind of bunched all these kids together. And so at the time, one of my mentors, G2 Brown, was involved in helping Daya because he had wound up getting on the local school council. And so Daya was the school that they just forgot about once King became a college prep. And so it was us fighting to get restorative justice. It was those young people won the ESPN Rise Up um, Award. The school was really doing good and then the city said because what people don't know is it was the original site for the Obama Presidential Center. People don't talk about it. They leave that In out. Washington Park. Exactly. They leave out that history and so after it being decided okay, we're going to keep giving them their neighborhood high school um it has to go somewhere and we wanted to go on the south side and so i have to say that nobody is against the obama presidential center what we're against is being displaced and not being able to benefit actually uh you could take uh, just take nobody out of that sentence and put me uh, in but no i i was on the losing side as i usually am in this town jeanette i just want to put that out there it should have gone on the west side I agree. Uh, it should have gone on the west side they put it on the south side it was a political deal exactly and they put it in a park Good exactly God. like y'all couldn't think of any all the vacant lots on the west side i say that too they got enough vacant space. Like you click kill the cop academy. Let's do that. Let's take out the cop academy and you can put the OPC there. I I you know, totally for, agree. Forget Alder Woman. Just make her mayor right now. <laughs> Jeanette Taylor. Uh no, I just I've 
you know, and I, I've said this many times before. I remember the, the turnout at uh, the High Park High School uh, when they were had the hearing on it, and it was just one speaker after another saying, put it on the south side. And I was like, well, I lost this one. But I just felt it's so unfair. You have all this vacant land on the west side. Mm-hmm. West side gets, never gets any love. You know, and here you have a presidential library. I mean, Woodlawn's already doing issue, well. Right. My biggest issue was Obama was an organizer. This is the same president that took the folks from uh, the gardens to CHA when they had laid. Mm-hmm. So it was like, why was there not an open dialect about where that center should be? Yeah. It was just not. And that happens too often in this, one of the richest cities in the country. You never ask the folks who pay more in taxes what they want to see or what's supposed to happen. All right. So now you're speaking as an activist. All right. Uh, but in, in a two weeks, you'll be sworn in as an alder woman. And in the city of Chicago, they generally, uh, alder women or alder men are not supposed to speak like activists. Uh, Sue Garza told me, uh, the great Sue Garza, a good friend yes, of the show, alder yes. woman of the 10th Ward, uh, that when she got elected, Mayor Rom called her in the office. She says, I don't want you uh, to treat this like a circus, be like a circus. This is how he talked to her. And she goes, what do I look like a clown to you? I mean, so... Um, but the notion is, is that if you're too much of an activist, uh, you're not playing the game, you're not being responsible. So when you view coming into the city council and being an alder woman in the city council, uh, do you think you have to leave your activist days behind you and Okay, she's already saying no. Uh, hell to the no. This <laughs> job is nothing but a community organizer with money. You organize around what your community wants to see. It's the same thing. What I'm used to is two meetings and we flip over tables. Now I got to have a couple of more meetings before I turn over the table. <laughs> and I don't get to turn over the table. The community will actually get to turn over the table. So that that never leaves. I'm always going to be an advocate for what's right and what's right for my community. I just am. And so that's not going to change. And, and I'll say this. We should never... Never allow mayor to be as powerful as Rom or Daly ever again in this lifetime. Because if you think about this, and I tell people, Harold Washington set it up for us to be a rainbow coalition of folks that get together and decide what happens in our city. He came up with LSCs. He's the person that talked about TIFFs. Think about some of the things that he did. He got into office because he built this multi-generational coalition of folks to say, let's get in office and let's talk about the things that we want to see as a people. And so we... The, the plan was right there. Yeah. We just didn't listen. We did. And we ran around that plan. Think about this. Even before he closed the 50 schools, people forget about the Mid-South plan to close 20 of the 22 schools. Nobody talks about that. Yeah. Nobody talks about Michael Daly. Scott is the person who walked around saying we're going to close these schools after they knock down CHA. That's never a conversation. I'm the elephant that does not forget. I don't. Michael Scott, she's alluded to, is the former uh, board president under Mayor Daley committed suicide. Uh, Some people say he didn't commit suicide. That's a whole other story. And his son will be a colleague of yours in the Chicago City Council. That's right. Uh, He is the alderman of the 24th Ward. All right. uh, uh, Briefly, just talk about, I I let you get uh, away from the hunger strike. Just go back a little bit and talk about the hunger. What a profound moment that was uh, in the, really, in in the fall of Mayor Rahm, in my humble opinion. Talk about the hunger strike. That was, we all could have five each other (laughs) to say we helped get rid of him. So thank you, Ben. I appreciate it. Because it was platforms like this where you're able to tell your story and people get to hear the other side. We can't pay for big radios and commercials and billboards, but we got Ben, so that's just as good. Um, 
I didn't want to go on a hunger strike, to be honest. Mm-hmm. I got cookies and crackers and stuff in my bag. I eat all day long. So going on a hunger strike was not, it, it wasn't in my mind. And when they first, I was like, what kind of crack cocaine is my organization? Called? I'm not doing that. <laughs> yeah. But after just having people that you work with through coalitions saying, no, it's not going to happen. It's closed. It's a done deal. I couldn't take that back to the young people in my community that it was a done deal. I was like, we're going to fight the good fight and whatever happens, it happens. And so being on that hunger strike, I just, I saw a city that loved me, but I also saw a city that hate me. I I did. People barbecued like, feet away from us when we were on the hunger strike. People came and took pictures of us. They started harassing us. It's how we wind up staying at Operation Push because it wasn't safe for us to sleep in front of diet. And so that's part of the story that we never really talked about. And it was hard because it was an open space for people to come in. So remember, it's a church. It's Operation Push. Yeah. And so people would come in and they would start off life and just disrupt and want to fight. It got really, really bad and it was ugly. And so when it was over, um, I didn't want to organize anymore i was like i'm done i'm done with this we got this i'm done i'm just so i'm i just felt like i was in a battle that i was never going to win and so i continued to be a part of coco but i did not take an organizing job i was as a matter of fact i was like i can't do it emotionally i was tore down because there are people who actually get up every day to make a policy to figure out how to destroy low income and working families and black and brown was in to be particular Mm -hmm. and that bothered me because that's not what I taught. That was not where I come from. I went to the neighborhood high school. I had about four white teachers. I didn't learn about racism until I worked downtown in the Sex Fifth Avenue building. That's not what I was taught. I was taught and raised in love. One of my favorite teachers was this teacher named Ms. Rivera, and her husband name was Bill. And one day I came to school early, and she was singing Don't Mess With Bill. And it just <laughs> it lightened up my day because she was singing a song by some people that I love. Yeah. So that's what I was taught in, and that's what I was... I, I just knew that, yeah. that that was gonna be life and it wasn't. And so when they announced the OPC, I was just like, that's it. That I, I can't take it no more. Some of somebody gotta be down there to say what people are thinking. Because I don't think it's not that people don't think it. They just won't see it. And what do you was, mean by the OPC? When when they announced the Obama presidential oh, center was coming okay, to uh, Jackson Park. I, I, I was you. just like, that's it. That if we're not at the table so we're not pushed out, it's gonna be a problem. So that's that when you decided to run for Alderman? That is. That day that we so I originally went to sleep out in front of the McCormick place. Mm -hmm. I had to leave because my mother wound up going into the hospital. And so I went to the hospital with my mother. I'm the oldest. Um, They were going to keep my mother for a couple of days. And I actually cried because I like I should be at home with my I should be at the hospital with my mother taking care of her. But I'm out here fighting and advocating for something that's common sense. And I know common sense is not common anymore. I know that. And so I was really bothered just by the whole thing. And so when folks in Woodline came to me and said, you should run for office. And I was like, y'all want me? Now y'all know I just say what comes to mind or I call it like it is. (laughs) Is that what y'all really want? And that's what people in the community want to see, which is why 21 people circulated petitions, what, 15 turned them in, nine made the ballot, there were two, and the community chose me to be the one. Yeah, and all right, so now, uh, you're the alderwoman. What does this mean for the Obama Center? 
it means the Obama Center got to come with the come on. We getting that. <laughs> we need a community benefit. Yeah. So let me say this. A CBA ordinance is not just about the Obama Center. It's about any project that uses our TIF dollars and our space and our money, us saying we should benefit from it. Think about this. High Parkers didn't want that target in High Park. You remember that, yeah. that conversation? Uh-huh. Yeah. Joy Clendini is a good friend of mine. Yeah. They did not want that. And they did everything they could and Will Byrne didn't listen and he gave it to them. What people don't know is people in High Park don't shop at that Target. Everybody else shopped there. That's how they boycotted. And so, and they had a fight fight about that and they, it's another building that's down there that's that toppled over the stories. They don't like it because it doesn't look like a neighborhood yeah. like it normally looks. And so, they got to come on with the come on. The University of Chicago has a 70-year history of displacing black folks in that community. Now they got to come on with the come on. So I'm an everyday person that they're going to be looking at. And the difference, they're used to dealing with the person. They got to answer to the community because I'm right. just the spokesperson. Now, um, the, I believe, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, I could be wrong, about it, but I believe the actual location is in the fifth ward. It which is. Which is Leslie Harrison's ward. She was just uh, reelected in a mm-hmm. runoff, very uh, tough close one off. Are you going to be working uh, in alliance with Leslie Harrison? Are the aldermen in that area going to be working together uh, in this situation? Because all too often in the past, Jeanette, um, aldermen, they pick them off. You know, this one's in that faction, this one's over there, particularly on the south and mm-hmm. west sides. Uh, so is there going to be some kind of unanimity of thought right here? So what did Leslie say during the election, during the runoff? Do you know? She supports the CBA that she wasn't saying before. And so the rubber has met the road. We're all gonna work together. I'm working with state, the county, because it's something that we don't normally do, but has to working together. So think about this, the Cook County Board, um, Brandon Johnson is working on the gang database. They doing it at the state level and we're doing it at the city level. We can no longer work in silos. That's why the city hasn't worked for the 99%. And so we got to work together. Now, I've I've cussed a lot of the people at city council out. I, I have. I'm in a different role now, so we got to have conversations. The difference is my community will be at the table with me. There is no hiding place for any alderman now. You got to come on with the come on, or you'll be in the unemployment line with everybody else. <laughs> it's true. Uh, have you heard from... Uh uh, Mayor-elect uh, Lori Lightfoot? I actually did. She's called She's called me twice. Her, her staff has called. Um, I'm looking forward to working with her. Um, like I said, the organizer, not activist, organizer in me will turn over a table. The, the, the politician that I am not has to sit at the table and at least listen. And when I don't agree, I don't agree. There, there's going to be a lot of just think about this. This city council has been pushed so far to the left that they might as well sing a Beyonce song. To the left, to the left. <laughs> they have been pushed to the left. Yeah. And so that's great for that 99% of the city. Now we could actually do a progressive tax. Now we could talk about the LaSalle Street tax mm-hmm. without it being, oh, no, I can't do that. No, people have spoken. Mm-hmm. Now, do you want these organizers to get together? Because people don't talk about that we're movement candidates. The movement made a lot of us. They're talking about democratic socialists. Yeah, I agree. I don't get into titles. But we push folks to the left to say, look at all of us. We can afford college for all. We can afford Medicare for all. And when you talked about um, who would I pick for um, president, president, 
it's either going to be Elizabeth or Bernie for me. All right, now, wait, wait, let's, that's a perfect point to take a break. We're going to come back. I'm going to play uh, for Alder Woman Jeanette Taylor. The um, You didn't hear this because I you didn't have the headphones mm-hmm. on when I played it from Monroe uh, and Atiba. It is the latest Joe Biden commercial. We're going to play a little bit okay. and see if you still say you're going to be for Elizabeth Warren or uh, Bernie Sanders. We'll be right back with Jeanette Taylor. Hey, everybody, what you're about to hear are the piano stylings of Jeff Manuel. Man, listen to Jeff go. Jeff Manuel has been playing piano around Chicago for years. He's played for conventions, for celebrities, played in basement bars with blues bands. He's played at prestigious social clubs, fine restaurants, and in the intimacy of private homes. Book Jeff Manuel at jeffemanuelpianist.com. Don't worry, I'll spell his name at the end of this commercial. You know what Chicago Magazine said? They said that Jeff Manuel is, quote, as comfortable with Chopin as he is with Cole Porter. He's excellent, and his performance is joyous. He offers an elegant stream of compositions and interpretations that entertains the mind, but won't hurt the ears. To hear more of Jeff Manuel's work and to book Jeff for your next event, go to jeffmanuelpianist.com. I'm going to spell it out for you, people. J-E-F-F. M as in Mary, A, N as in Nancy, U, E, L, P, I, A, N, I, S, T, dot com. Take it away, Jeff Manuel. Welcome back to the Ben Jarofsky Show. Mr. Jarofsky, take us home. All right. That's super cool. Music means we're almost at the end of another great show. And uh, by the way, that uh, is Alderwoman Jeanette Taylor on the keyboards playing that uh, really mellow song. In addition to being an activist, an organizer, a hunger striker, and an alderwoman, she plays the keyboards, Dee. Did you know that? Whoa. Well, now she's playing like the organ in the background and the... Mm. All of our guests are good at piano. <laughs> yeah, they're amazing. I don't know. I don't know. It's amazing how good our guests are at the piano. Okay. <laughs> uh, before uh, I, I put the challenge to Jeanette Taylor on who she's going to support uh, for president, if she can withstand a certain voice from the not-so-distant past. D, you got an update for us? Absolutely. We have a few updates before we roll out of here. Everyone's talking about today's testimony from Attorney General William Barr after Special Counsel Robert Mueller called out Barr on his heavily redacted version of the Mueller report. Well, Chairman Lindsey Graham said he plans to write a letter to special counsel Robert Mueller inviting him to speak to the committee. What do you think about that? Oh, okay. <laughs> Who said that, Graham? Yeah. All right. Okay, Graham. Graham, why don't you read the Mueller report and then you invite him in, okay? All right, here we go. For 10 trivia points. Ooh. Oh, Ben does Uh-oh. this to every... For 10 trivia points. Yeah. Which 2020 Democratic presidential candidate said... That Barr should resign. <laughs> well, I think you gave it away. Uh, Cory Booker. Nope. Oh. Kamala Harris. Oh, Kamala Harris. Okay, Kamala uh, that's Harris. That's right. Speaking. Senator from California. Yep, she said that. And uh, finally, we have uh, some audio here from Cory Booker. Like okay. you said, uh, he spoke with William Barr as well. Let me see if I can find that real quick. Make sure this is good. Okay, actually, 
Oh, the song's ending. Perfect. Okay, I can play this. So here we go. Let me see if I can find the audio right. from Cory Booker. Corey this Booker. is Cory Booker mm-hmm. to William Barr. I'm just trying to do this on the fly here. All right. Jeanette CD. Taylor loves Cory Booker. Oh, really? <laughs> no, just kidding. Well, I'm just gonna say, I'm She's just that. warming up to get and tell you what she thinks Yeah, about. I knew she didn't like him. All right, here's, here's the Booker. As I mentioned earlier, uh, during a campaign, foreign governments make and 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 foreign citizens frequently make a lot of attempts to contact different campaigns if we were right now to go and look at for example hillary clinton's campaign during the same time time frame then then you would see a lot of uh foreign governments chinese trying to establish and and that's i guess what i'm trying to say to you sir is that we right now have a new normal in our country we have a document that shows over 200 attempt, uh, connections between a, a presidential campaign and a foreign adversary. Sharing information that would be illegal if you did it with a super PAC, we know that. But what sharing, information was shared? The polling data was shared, sir. It's in the report, I can with, cite with, you the page. With who? And I, and I guess my point is, is that y- your willingness to seem to brush over this and, and use words like the American people should be grateful, what's in this report? Nobody should be grateful. Concerted efforts for deception, for misleading, inappropriate action after inappropriate action that that is clear. And then on top of that, at a time that we all recognize that we had a foreign power trying to undermine our election, you, the chief law enforcement officer, not only undermines your own credibility as an independent actor, when there's ongoing investigation still, using the word president's own words, having it criticized by the Mueller himself, but but the, the challenge we now have is that we are going into an area where you seem to not even be willing to be in the least bit critical in, in your summarizations. I, I believe that calls in your credibility. Uh, and again, uh, my time is up. That is Cory Booker, Senator from New Jersey, interrogating William Barr, the Attorney General of the United States. Uh, Barr, once again, uh, defending President Trump. Uh, far, you know, I, I got to tell you this, uh, Jeanette, I, I don't know if you've been following uh, what's been going on in terms of the Mueller report. I know you've been preoccupied with your own election here. We talk about it obsessively on the show. Tell we, Auntie Maxine to uh, just start impeachment. Yeah, okay. Oh, so you're for... Tell him just go ahead. I'm, why are we wasting time with things that we already know that we already brought up? Like the American people, we got other stuff to do. We, we we got a country that we need to get together on our own. We we know what he did. We know he's guilty. I need to meet the Mueller report. No, nobody did. No, mm-hmm. it's like nobody read it. <laughs> so I read it. You read it. I'm sure, Ben. <laughs> You're over the top like that, Ben. I'm sure. Yeah. But we know. Uh, yeah. They yeah. just start the impeachment already. Stop wasting my time. Yeah. Uh, I'm with you 100% on that one. Or at least start the investigation that leads to impeachment so the impeachment starts. It would be nice to start it maybe in March of 2000 as we're gearing up for the presidential campaign. So, Ari, uh, you're not impressed with Cory Booker uh, (laughs) as a presidential candidate, Jeanette? Hell to the no. Okay. Tell him to investigate. Let's talk about this charter schools that he support and that he's probably, I'm pretty sure he's taking his money from. Let's let's have that conversation. I look at people, people, a lot of people talk progressive. Mm. What did you do? Is your work progressive? Are you moving in a progressive way? The things that you support, are they really helping? And New Orleans is 99% charter schools. So bad that young people don't even get a bus in front of their house. They got to walk two and three blocks from their homes to catch a bus to go to a school that's an hour away. So he he, he, he could do 
something, but not run for president. All right. Uh, that's Cory Booker. She's alluding to. And I think you said, I don't know if you said on the air or off mic, uh, that you're leaning toward uh, Bernie Sanders or Elizabeth Warren. All yep. right. Uh, and uh, so, D, let's uh, let's hear what uh, Alderman Jeanette Taylor uh, has to say about the latest commercial from Grandpa Joe Biden. You got that one ready to go? This is an extraordinary man with an extraordinary career in public service. Somebody who has devoted his entire professional life to service to this country. He revitalized American manufacturing as the head of our middle class task force. He fought to make college more affordable. He suited up for our cancer moonshot, giving hope to millions of Americans. The drum. That's what you like. That's what the drum gets you every time. He let our audience on us campaign against campus sexual assault. All right. It'll fade it out a little bit. Uh, that, of course, fade it out is President Barack Obama. So I had a joke. I began the show talking about, you know, uh, I'm more of a. a be honest, everybody knows more of the Bernie Elizabeth Warren side of the party. Mm-hmm. But when I hear Barack Obama's voice, I'm like, oh no, my hand is going toward Biden's name. So Barack's credibility doesn't go that far because he gave us wrong. So that that kills that. Yeah, can't take political advice from you. Sorry. Not sorry. I'm really not sorry. No. Hell no. <laughs> Hell no. Ron was the worst thing. Ron is like that new Coke they got out that they add an orange and ginger to. It's just disgusting. It's a no. No. Oh, no. 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 So, uh, I don't know. The ginger one's pretty good. Yeah. I like it. I like this nasty aftertaste. I don't like it. I kind of agree with Jeanette Taylor in this one. Uh, so, in other words, you're not, you don't feel a tug toward Joe because of Barack Obama's endorsement. Hell to the no. Okay. All right. Just want to see. Because we were talking about this with the Tiba and Monroe. I don't know if you heard this part. Uh, this clearly is going to be uh, Joe Biden's selling point. When the when the presidential primaries make their way to the South, and you know as well as uh, all of us, Jeanette Taylor, that the black vote is key in the South. You're I not going to win that Democratic yeah. nomination yep. without getting black people to support you. And that is Joe Biden's already gearing up for that, uh, tr- you know, Hey, I was Joe. I was Barack's vice president. Mm-hmm. You think it's going to work? But people are still, no, because we do our homework. One thing that used to happen 11 years ago when I got into organizing is we used to have these report cards, and I'd be like, this is not school. What the hell do we need a report card? But it's to keep checks and balances on what they've done. Because during election time, what happens? We forget. We forget the crap <laughs> that they've endorsed. I will never, ever, ever forgive Barack for Rahm. Ever, 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 ever. So none he says. What was that all the- about? Why do you think Barack pushed so hard? Okay, first time he wanted to get him out of the White House because Rahm was driving everyone crazy, including Michelle Obama. But it's like, why give him I, I, well, that's a good Couldn't point. Couldn't they make up an island somewhere on the ocean to get him there? Why he had to come here? Yeah, he sent him to Chicago. Where, okay, yeah. but why the re-election campaign where he doubled down with the the endorsement on radio? I think there may have been a TV commercial. I know there was a radio commercial. Why, why do you think Barack was so eager to... In, was it because of the presidential library? Was no, that it? I, it's a lot of things. So he's from Chicago. <sighs> Who's from Chicago? Neither one of them is from no, Chicago. No, well, Barack got his started his political career. Fair here. enough. Okay. So, and you think about who is the one person that he ran against that he couldn't 
he couldn't get. Bobby Rush. Exactly. And so you need that black vote. It's historically anywhere. And so it was how he, the only way Ron would have got Urshad in if he would have got Barack support. And at that time, we love Barack Obama. We don't care what he did. But <laughs> once he gave us Ron, that, that, that little went right out the window. Yeah. Because he was like the little Napoleon that came here and just... We are already one of the most segregated cities in the country. And we were starting, I felt like we were starting to mend all the things that made us different. Um, And he came and just was like, open up the floodgates to corporate America and say, do whatever you want to them. I don't care who they is. I don't care who they are. And oh, by the way, I don't care what they think. Oh, so you don't care that black mothers on the South Side are passing out at CPS board meetings over a high school that's something that's a human right? Mm -hmm. Oh, okay. Let's yeah. Let's yeah. see how that works for you. And so I hope that Rom doesn't work anywhere after this. He doesn't qualify. He just he doesn't. Him getting on TV blaming black folks for Laquan McDonald and what happens in our communities. Then the kick in the face is McCarthy had the nerve to rough an office. I was like, who in the hell? What in? All right, let me ask Where's you this. Come to you? Uh, it's been a while since uh, <laughs> we talked about uh, Big Mac, Gary McCarthy. It's been a while. Uh, and for a while, I would pose this question to all my guests, my old show, uh, the one I was unceremoniously fired from. Anyway, uh, my old show, I'd say to him, all right, at the run, because at one point, Rom and McCarthy were sort of in the race together. If it had come down to a runoff, Jeanette Taylor, between Rahm Emanuel and Gary Big Mac McCarthy for mayor of the city of Chicago, <laughs> who would you have voted for? Out of Rodan Hair Washington. <laughs> uh, I probably wouldn't have done the same thing. We all would have voted in Hair Washington. Hair Washington be the first mayor who is dead to be in office because we wouldn't have voted for neither one of them. Yeah. Yeah. We'd have been looked, no, we wouldn't have let that happen. We'd have organized everybody who didn't get along. This would have been the one time that we got along and got together to make sure neither one of them yeah. were in the runoff. We would have really got, they would. The best thing about Trump is he's made us put our petty difference to the side and work to make sure that we get somebody who understands how this country works and what we should be doing in politics. So that's that's the best thing that ever could happen with him getting into office. All right. Uh, and uh, so have you decided who you're going to support or are you still making up your mind about it? I know it's early. So, so have you decided? Bernie. Or- you're going to stay with Bernie? Of or? course I am. I like, she talks about free college. I'm paying, I'm paying back college debt for two, for two of my kids. Yeah. So I got student loans that I'm paying. Were you a Bernie delegate last time? I don't remember. I wasn't. I just was, I, I was team Bernie because everything he said was what we were thinking yeah. that we thought nobody listened to us. And he was, and he took that around the country. And what I love about him is, and it's, I took a I took a page out of his playbook. He never changed regardless of what space he was in front of. I don't care who it was. He did not change who he was. And so I got to get behind that. I like Elizabeth. She a woman, but hmm. <laughs> Okay, all right. Jeanette Taylor is sticking with Bernie. Uh, we have a Bernie button here. But it's not because I've decided to endorse him. Just we had a bunch of Bernie people, and they gave me the Bernie button. I think if you keep picking up that Bernie button, saying you got it, that you you just won't say it out loud. So uh, listen, I'll I voted for Bernie in 2016. I'd never heard a mainstream Democrat talk. And he's not even a Democrat, uh, but I'd never heard a candidate for president talking that way. Mm-hmm. So I said I have to vote yep. for Bernie. And I really respect him for standing up. And, and just like you said, just sticking up. When you yep. said the same thing on Fox 
yep. TV. He did not change. Yeah. At, looking at all, and I'm not one person who watches those debates because they drive me nuts. Everybody dressed alike, everybody being nice, everybody saying the stuff that they, they really want to say something else, but they're being nice. And he stuck to his gun. He did mm-hmm. not change what he said. And so I, I feel bad that it was they put up Hillary and not him. I think we made the. I think that's how we got Trump. You you can't tell me any different. That's how we wind up because it was like, okay, as a woman, she built, she had a time. All right, if Monroe Anderson were here, he would cut it at this point. Jeanette Taylor and said <laughs> it was the Russians who did it. I'm just speaking up for you, Monroe. You're not here, but I, you're gone, but not forgotten. All right, Alderwoman Jeanette Taylor, it's a blast having you on. We're going to bring you back. It's, and again, congratulations. It was a. A great uh, victory, a very spirited campaign. The 20th Ward, I think, is better off uh, with you having won. So congratulations you. to you. I really appreciate I you appreciate coming it. in here. I uh, also want to thank uh, Atiba Buchanan and my old friend Monroe Anderson. Man, I'll tell you what, that was great talking Trump with Atiba and Monroe. We're going to bring them back. And uh, Miles has done an outstanding job, as he does over, uh, every day, our office editor, the pride and joy of Evanston, Illinois. And, of course, the man, the myth, the legend behind the boards. <laughs> the ladies all love him for his body and his mind, and they call him White Lightning. Oh, <laughs> wow. Both things not true. <laughs> the pride and joy of all in Illinois. Dr. T, give yourself a raise. Take it out of petty cash. See you tomorrow, everybody. <laughs> all right, live streamers. If you missed any of today's program, remember, you can download The Ben Jarofsky Show at both Chicago Sun-Times and Chicago Reader websites, chicago.suntimes.com, chicagoreader.com. Eh, about 4 o'clock, I'll have it downloaded. And, hey, downloaders, you know we live stream the program? Yeah, we do. Every Tuesday through Friday, 1 until 3 p.m. Central Time. Same websites, chicagoreader.com, chicago.suntimes.com. Find it. 